All right, here's a question for you as we start the Robert Scott Bell Show today. When safety signals are triggered in drug trials and or vaccine trials, when does that interpretation mean that it's most definitely safe, much less effective? And when you think about safety signals, what do you mean? Oh, it's it, it, we're getting signals that it's safe. No, no, no. Safety signal means there's a signal that there's something going wrong especially when it comes to kids and COVID jabs. We'll get to that. Uh, we've got a new guest's first hour. Dr. Matt Chalmers going to join us. I can tell he's a renegade for health freedom, and I like him already. And then we have our 10th Amendment hero, our buddy, our pal, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center, wrapping it up as we head into the weekend here, talking about a whole lot of things. And maybe my mom, Grandma Mickey, will join me in studio to say hi to her favorite, Michael Bolden. Oh, he's so cute, she says. And uh, a whole lot more coming up. G. Edward Griffin on Sunday, but we'll get to that. Thanks for being here. Share the show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. Lots of new things happening, uh, especially for our patron supporters. Super Don will uh, give you updates and uh, upcoming events as well. All right, let's crank up this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty right here, right now. And there you go, Super Don. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Yeah, I'm still feeling the uh, the emotions of uh, the last week plus with the loss of our friend Doctor Batar. That hasn't left me. Although, as you know, time you, you kind of it dissipates a little bit of the intensity of it. But in the midst of, of course, the elation of my daughter graduating uh, high school and having mom here, having some good times together and celebrating the life that we have still. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, we talk about life being very real and intense sometimes. You can feel it, and uh, it's not subtle. There are times where they're subtly present, and maybe all times, but uh, sometimes the uh, the emotions will overwhelm the subtleties as we move forward in life. But suffice it to say, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful that you all join me a little or a lot and uh, share the show as well. We have a great, great lineup today. Uh, new guest, uh, Dr. Matt Chalmers will be joining us in a few minutes talking about his journey into health and healing. A doctor of chiropractic, as you know, my inclination is to let you know when you have children, that's who you should have as your family doctor. I don't know if they're allowed to say it, but I'll say it uh, because they're not going to harm you or your children uh, like the pediatricians. So yeah, let's get that out of the way, right? The, harmful, the harming of children by allopathic medicine and the medical monopoly for which it stands, right? And that medical monopoly has been a disaster. In fact, it's been so fear-inducing in its machinery that it is provided for the emergency declarations, authorizations that basically suspended the, the activity of the Constitution and limiting government when it comes to your freedom, individual liberty, as it was defined at the origin of these United States. How is it and what would it be that would have us give up that individual liberty? It would allow the government to run roughshod over it. We'd just kind of sit idly by and watch it happen. Well, as I've said many times over the years, our fear, our irrational, unscientific fear of germs is the thing that opened us up, made us most vulnerable to the powers of suggestion that 
This time it's different. This is even worse than, I just saw um, a video interview of uh, Bobby Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And the, the more I see, the more he says, the more I like him. And uh, I can't wait to get him back on the show and talk about some of the things he's been talking about. Referencing historical precedent on suspension of the Constitution. Those of you who remember uh, the, the so-called Civil War, there are many ways to describe it. Hundreds of thousands of Americans died from the North and the South, equivalent to millions in today's terms of population growth. And President Lincoln suspended habeas corpus because there were people coming from the South to rabble rouse and uh, create dissension in the North. And he thought, well, I should arrest them before they do it. A thought crime. We think they're going to do it. We're pretty sure they're going to do it. So let's arrest them before they do it. And the Supreme Court at the time said, you can't do that. You, you, the Constitution is the most important thing. It's the guidebook, if you will, the playbook for how this country would be different from all others in recorded history. And we lost that in COVID. Although I would argue that this has been diminishing over uh, generations and now centuries, even a century plus since the Civil War and its end. The the movement away from constitutionally protected uh, rights is rights that pre-exist the government, pre-exist the uh, existence of the United States, rights that come from a creator, come from God. Those are violated when we what? Give up our defense and our insistence that those in government operate within the confines of that constitution. And very much like I've talked about uh, the danger to our individual constitution, that is, you, you have a constitution, your body has a constitution, so does mine, and finding out what is supportive of that and what violates it gives you all that you need to know about how to navigate this life much more healthily than perhaps you all have been doing, certainly much more healthily than I did growing up from the year zero to 24. My illnesses and ailments largely due to our ignorance of, of nutrition and, of course, generations in the 20th century that turned their kids over to the medical establishment as they began to dominate and eliminate any competition to thought, much less access of the natural medicine that existed, pre-existed the medical monopoly, pre-existed even the United States, but existed within the United States in terms of herbalism, homeopathy, naturopathy, chiropractic, all of these more eclectic forms of uh, vitalistic views of the body as opposed to reductionist chemical assessments. And then we come to the falsity of the immune system being dependent upon antibodies for its functionality and the false religion within the false religion of modern medicine. The idea that if we just elicited an antibody response at any cost, at any price, through artificial means and in injections containing horrific ingredients that you would not want to eat. But if you did eat them, you probably would survive a lot better than if you injected them. All with the idea that if we can just elicit the antibody response, we would survive everything and anything. Ignoring the chronic disease that has made us as a people dependent upon medical monopoly intervention. Unconscionable as it creates more disease and then profits off of that disease, disease creation machinery, disease management machinery, and let's eliminate any competition to the management of that disease or its actual eradication elimination, like I said, with chiropractic, naturopathic, homeopathic, herbal, energetic forms of healing, which by and large are considered more terroristically dangerous to Americans and America 
than actual terrorism. The example I've given over the years, what is that? Well, you remember 9-11, 2001. They said it was Osama bin Laden and a bunch of terrorists that learned to fly and they flew planes in. All right, let's put that aside for a moment. But remember, it took them, what, about 10 years to find Osama bin Laden, who apparently was on hemodialysis in a cave in Afghanistan. They said they found him in Pakistan and finally got him and killed him. 10 years, the number one terrorist on the planet, according to our government, are many in it. 10 years about to find them. And if you hang a shingle in your town in America, and on that shingle it says, you know, I'm a homeopath, I'm a naturopath, I'm a chiropractor, and I can help you cure cancer with no chemo, no radiation, no surgery, they will find you in less than 24 hours and put you out of business and threaten you with jail and take away all your money. Is any other story need to explain to you how much our country has been taken over by a false church, a false religion in violation of the First Amendment? What is that First Amendment among things it says? What? <laughs> State sanctioned religions? No, that was prohibited. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Mentioned that yesterday, I think, with uh, Mark Anthony. Interesting. Uh, what great discussion yesterday on the show about that. And yet we have a state sanctioned religion. It is the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism, biological pharmaceutical mysticism, much to the detriment of all vitalistic thought forms and healing modalities like those I mentioned, who are second class, second tier. If you're allowed to function, just don't you dare step over the line and say that you can cure anything or else we'll come get you. Again, 24 hours or less. Now, we have uh, an interesting story as we open up the, the show, and then I'll bring Dr. Uh, Chalmers in, in just a moment here. From The Defender, this is an article by Brenda Belletti, Ph.D. FDA finds evidence of serious safety signal for COVID vaccines in young kids. Says it proves that shots are, well, you'd think dangerous, but no, safe. <laughs> Young teens who receive the mRNA COVID-19 jab have a higher risk of heart inflammation, according to a new U.S. Food and Drug Administration study. Researchers said the study's results provide additional evidence for safety, the safety of the COVID-19 jabs injections in the pediatric population. On what planet do these people live on and do they think we live on? Where is critical thinking? Where is cognitive, uh, let's say, uh, capacity? Uh, versus cognitive dissonance operating. You have safety signals, serious safety signals, which are triggered by not safety, but things that are indicating it's not safe, and that's an indication that it's safe. If you remember that there were certain points when we were covering this, like while we were banned on YouTube and Spotify and now on LinkedIn even today, where they began to make an argument that if you have effects, side effects after getting the jab. It's just a good sign that the the injection is working. The mRNA is doing its job if you have an impact. So it's like, if nothing happens, does that, does that mean it didn't work? No, I mean, they continue to change the messaging, change the narrative, and never once did they prove that it was even efficacious in terms of prevention, of spread, of manifestation, of hospitalization, of death. I mean, you talk about one of the biggest scams among scams in the history of scams perpetrated on us and facilitated by our own government that was captured by the industry that sought to benefit 
by that enslavement and fear induction machinery that would cause mandates to occur. And most people, many people, millions of people go, okay, well, just give me the shot so I can go about my life in some way, shape or form. And Dr. Batar's message before he passed, having those mystical experiences with God, as he described them, was tell them to exercise their free will, exercise their free will and free will exercising is not the choice of get the shot or else you have no freedom, get the shot. You have no job, get the shot or you can't go to school or play or do anything. That's not free will exercise. That is in within a, a, an enslavement box created by the pharmaceutical church, the church of pharmaceutical mysticism to keep you on a pharmaceutical plantation. And it's every bit as evil as a form of slavery as any form of slavery that preceded it. And that could be offensive to some, but you're going to have to get over it one day and see that now slavery in America is not about black and white. It's about those who succumb to pharmaceutical propaganda and subject themselves and their children to chemical alteration, whether it be castration now with the twisted, sick promotion that children are not boys or girls, that there's some hermaphroditic, uh, Uh, surgery away from being who they truly are. And the, the pharmaceutical medical monopoly. How many doctors do you know are speaking out against this? Some are, and we, Hey, congratulations for speaking out. But does it take a lot of courage to speak out as a physician against the mutilation of children? If we talk about a tiered society, where would I relegate the medical profession outside of emergency trauma interventions for acute uh, accidents, injury, catastrophes, buses hit you, bullets shoot you, whatever. Outside of that, they would be relegated into a corner and probably in one of those straight jackets so they don't harm themselves or others with their dangerous, demonic belief that you and I suffer from drug deficiencies and that they could poison us back to health somehow, some way. We got the wrong system dominating us. And even the systems of homeopathy and naturopathy and chiropractic, these shouldn't be dominating us. These should be free to be accessed, free to communicate in truth all that they can do, which is well beyond what the Fear and Death Administration would ever allow. We have the suppression of freedom of speech long before COVID. Because I, as a homeopath and many of my friends, even doctors who dared to step outside of what they call the standard of care, which is substandard, which is why Dr. Batar went to do advanced medicine to go beyond the standard of care because who would want to suck so bad to do standard of care in allopathic medicine? Safety signals triggered and it means the shot is safe and those people are still in charge, the Fauci's of the world, even as Fauci leaves, the Walensky's that are going to get jobs in cushy, you know, pharma jobs. And then who replaces them? Doing the same thing. And you, you're letting this happen? Quick kudos to my friend Jonathan E. Moore who's running for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine. There's a guy that has beaten the FDA back in court a world record eight times. He knows what the oligarchy is all about. He knows about the things we talk about. Imagine having in the United States Senate him there, no matter what state you're from, the impact that he could have on others that are trying to do some good work there. In addition to our ability to nullify all of these things on the state and localist of local level, and it starts with you. 
Maybe it ends with you by saying, no, I shall not comply. I will not comply. You can't make me. I will not choose the lesser of two evils. I will not choose the shot so I can work, travel, play, on and on it goes. Are we ripe for another takeover when they claim the next gain of function thing that they won't pretend is gain of, oh, it's just a naturally occurring thing? No, this is all man-made, not God-made. And the choices you have to make are, are you going to follow along and comply? Are you going to be like Dr. Matt Chalmers, our guest this hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show, is going to speak up, stand up, and bring that power to heal back to you or remind you that power to heal is yours. The power that made the body is the power that heals the body. And that, that paradigm within chiropractic that is a brother and sister to these other vitalistic views that have been relegated to second-tier status should be right up front for all of us to access and utilize. And God bless you, Dr. Chalmers, for being who you are. And I'm glad you're here on the Robert Bell Show, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm excited to have you. I just got a sense about you. Of course, you're a DC, so I know a lot about you. My wife is a retired DC once we had kids. Uh, so I married into it, and I believe wholeheartedly in the perspectives that you bring from your training, but there's probably a lot more that you bring from your entire life's experience. Yeah, we do. We do lots and lots of stuff because I started noticing that, you know, we weren't getting the care that everybody was needing. And so we started expanding out. I do tons of blood work. We do lots of muscle testing. We do lots of, you know, supplementation, nutrition, because if you can, if you can just give the chemicals, the body, if you can give the body, the chemicals it needs, it fixes itself almost all the time. So it's, that's, that's the fun thing about fixing people with, nutrition is that it's, it's you can walk it down the physiological path yes exactly and and what physiological path of explanation do they have to say you need this drug or drug molecules that we've patented and, and we got approved by the fear and death administration where is that deficiency you know where is that metabolic intelligence to go i'm going to poison that pathway and then you'll be fine well the funny thing is about a lot of that stuff you know when they drop stuff in and it, if it works it's it it's just more evidence of, you know, what's going on. So if you take Adderall, for example, the reason that Adderall works is because your brain is actually falling asleep. And so it's trying to reach out and grab stimulus from everywhere it can. And that's why you're scatterbrained. And mm -hmm. that's why if you give a giant hit of a stimulant, it focuses you back down because your adrenals are weak and you're not producing enough norepinephrine, epinephrine. So if you know that Adderall works, then you know exactly what the problem is. And you can go back in and fix the adrenals and it fixes the problem. Well, it seems to me this is a basic concept, and I've been able to teach fourth, fifth, and sixth graders that you can't poison the body back to health. It's not a smart idea, and they go, well, that's kind of stupid, poison the body back to health. Yet, people get PhDs and MD degrees, and they spend the rest of their life trying to manage people with toxic chemicals. And I'm like, man, that's a depressing thing to be locked into that. And as I was raised uh, medically, pharmaceutically, my uncle was a medical doctor. He warned me not to become a doctor. I didn't understand why, even though I always wanted to, to grow up to be a doctor. I knew that's what I wanted to do. But I realized uh, when I was at university level that if I did what doctors did to me, to other people, I would be miserable. And I it dashed my dreams of becoming a healer in that way. Now, I had never heard the word homeopathy. So it was until 24 years of age that changed my life to say, oh, my gosh, there's a way to do this, that which I think I'm here to do. And, uh, you know, the chiropractic profession is something I, I really like and appreciate, except that, that many of the schools have been compromised um, because of licensure. And now some of them are mandating vaccination upon entry. It's astonishing how much even the chiropractic community has, for expediency's sake, to be accepted as like the M MD equivalency, have compromised, I think, the true origin 
and the uh, principles of chiropractic. Do you see that as well? Uh, I see that here and there. The, the biggest issue that we're running into is that uh, a lot of these schools are not being run by chiros anymore. They're being run by you know, presidents or you know, PhDs of education. And because that's, that's who's supposed to run an organization, a giant university organization. And so you're seeing changes that are being made by um, professionally educated people on how to educate and lawyers. And that's what that's some of the places that I'm seeing. And that's 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 an issue I think that we need to go clean up in house uh, is to bring some of that stuff back. Well, I, I would like to see that the the chiropractic community at large would push back on those schools with strange mandates that kind of uh, contravene the basic tenets going back to Palmer, you know, and uh, as well to recognize that that origin point of what chiropractor can do is not only about back pain. It never really was about back pain. I mean, it's so much more. And yet if you go beyond the scope to what it really does, then suddenly now you're going to be hammered by the medical association. Go, oh, 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 now you're speaking out of turn. We can't have you go there. You might compete with us. Well, it's funny because it's a it's a neurologic event. And every time I talk to uh, my medical colleagues about it and I explain it to them, they go, oh, it's never been explained to me like that. That makes a lot of sense more than just gas coming out. And so it's like, yeah, it's a it's a neurologic input back and forth between the brain. The brain changes its tone and the muscle changes and the joint function changes. The pressure on the nerve changes. So communication increases. And so it's a pretty simple walkthrough once you understand the afferent, efferent function from the brain, which mm -hmm. Again, you've got to explain it to some of these guys because they've been told, unfortunately, things that just aren't true. Whether they're lies or they were wrong, I, I can't really say. But at the end of the day, they get information that's not accurate. And then they think that it's right. And so that's why when you when we have to talk to our medical colleagues, it takes us, you have to kind of explain where you're coming from first. Because mm -hmm. you walk them through the research, they're usually pretty cool with it. But, you know, at the end of the day, they just don't really understand what we do. And then they, the cool thing is that once they understand, they send all their patients and they come over yeah. and that's where we're getting functional medicine. Mm -hmm. So like all the MDs who are now functional medicine guys, they yeah. just got too cozy with Kairos and figured out, Hey, your stuff works really, really well. And my stuff's not working as well as I'd like it to. And so they swing over and that's how we're converting the MDs into functional medicine docs. Yeah. And it's been, them. it's been really fun on this side of the conversion. Well, yeah, the thing is they're moving our way. We're not moving their way. And, uh, you know, no. this is not a superiority complex. This is just, hey, this is what works. That's what's killing people. Let's uh, come on over and we love you. We'll support you. We're not going to condemn you, but I would ask that they genuinely repent and not just, uh, you know, pretend because the money is going that way. You know, there's got to be integrity. The sacred relationship between a doctor and patient is lost when third party you know, let's say payers intervene and say, oh, this is the way you're going to conduct your your practice. And these are a bunch of bureaucrats, as you said, people that have no earthly idea actually how to heal themselves out of a wet paper sack, telling chiropractors, telling medical doctors who might try to do actually the right thing like many of them did through COVID, yet they were condemned. They were, uh, you know, chastised or threatened with loss of licensure. Well, and it's funny because like, you know, it, being on the inside and talking to the guys on the inside, we see things you guys don't see. There's a giant fracture going on right now in the medical community. They can't hold nurses. The docs are quitting left and right. And because what's happened is that the whole way we, that with COVID was force handled is shaking a lot of these guys. And they're like, I'm done with this. I'm not yeah. playing this game anymore. And the problem with this is that we're going to start losing emergency providers. And so that's going to put a bigger strain on the hospitals as well. Because you know, if you get in a car wreck or you get shot, hospital is a great place to go. 
But if you're not actively bleeding, it's kind of scary. But the thing is, is that if you end up as someone who's had to be life flighted to a hospital, you know, that piece is we need to keep that. So when we start losing faith in the system and it starts falling apart, that's the danger we're going to run into. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was uh, hearing you you and Super Don talking before we went to air as I was prepping for the show and catching up on things. And uh, by the way, we're talking with Dr. Matt Chalmers. He's got ChalmersWellness.com, C-H-A-L-M-E-R-S, Wellness.com, uh, Superior Wellness Through Focus and Persistence. And you guys were talking a little bit about COVID symptom manifestation because my producer, Super Don, at one point had severe like the chest the breathing the oxygenation issues all of that occurring and you were talking about things that you utilized or did and i thought uh if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that conversation and the things you were succeeding with maybe uh it would be something for people to consider for next time hopefully it it doesn't happen again but if it does something they hadn't heard of or considered well so you have to understand there's two pieces of covid that are actually one's worse than the other one in the acute form the one that everybody was catching is easier to treat. So it took me about four months to figure out that it wasn't really a respiratory issue. It was a vascular issue. And so we started giving people straight quinine, uh, which would knock that what we find out later through the research is it would knock the spike protein off the ACE2 receptor site, allowing the blood vessels to dilate back out enough, the blood would start to flow. What we also were doing was because I actually had it and I could use my body as a test, uh, test tube. What I figured out was that I could breathe, but the oxygen wasn't getting to, because my pulse ox was low. So I started using the hyperbaric chamber, which can increase oxygenation to tissue by a thousand percent because it pushes oxygen into the, into the water part, the plasma mm-hmm. part of the blood. Yeah. And so you can carry more. So I put people in this hyperbaric chamber and give them a, you know, a swig of this mix I made with lysine and quinine and stuff like that. In. And the, under the pressure, you could watch their pulse ox go from high seventies, low eighties back to the nineties. Mm-hmm. And they would kind of like come out of it. Like they've come out of it. Like they're, they're all like groggy and they kind of come out of it that way. And we do that a couple of times a day and we didn't lose anybody. So the idea that forcing forcing people to breathe with a ventilator mm. isn't going to do the job because once the, the the lungs the fuel tank gets full, they're not going from the fuel tank to the engine. So right. it was a fuel line problem, not mm. a lung problem. And so the hyperbaric fixes the the vascular thing. So that's what we were doing up here, and it worked. Like I said, pretty much every time we did it. Nice. You know the the other things that I addressed metabolically, not only from a homeopathic perspective uh, in terms of mo- you know the symptoms could indicate certain remedies. But so much vitamin C and zinc was being prescribed even by doctors that it was dropping copper levels significantly. And copper is facilitating what? The iron utilization for blood oxygen, et cetera. And so we were utilizing the uh, bioactive copper hydrosol, this, the sovereign copper that was a breakthrough product finally, just as uh, the you know early years of COVID were happening just in the nick of time. And we were able to facilitate a lot of important aspects of what COVID manifested as in terms of impact and pathways. Coming back to what we talked about earlier, it wasn't wasn't drug deficiencies, but there were certainly key mineral deficiencies that if we could uh, replenish them, then the metabolic pathways would open up again and the severity would be reduced or eliminated altogether in addition to what you've just described. Well, so one of the big ones we were saying was like CoQ10, because if you decrease oxygenation function, your your body's ability to create ATP is going to be really wiped out. So we were bringing that back up and that was helping as well. Uh, methylation, so all your methylation pathways to your liver, so methylated B6 specifically, uh, was great. Now, when we get into the long COVID piece, one of the things we're starting to notice is that if we don't bring their testosterone back up, it's really, really hard to fight because mm-hmm. it, as much hell as testosterone has got, it's actually the only hormone your body really needs. Um, so we bring that back up so the body would heal, and then we can start breaking the spike proteins in the gut, flushing them out, 
and then decreasing the inflammation in the liver and kidneys, and then letting everything kind of come back to normal. And so the long COVID piece takes a lot longer to fix. It's more like fixing limes as far as cleaning the body out. But um, that one's a lot of gut stuff. There's lots of heavy gut stuff in it. So cleaning out the yeast and the parasites and resetting the probiotic function and increasing the serotonin, that's, that's a big, big part of it. But we've had a lot of good success with it. So you're gonna st- we're going to all start seeing a lot more long COVID issues and a lot of hypoxic issues. You're going to see right. neural degeneration, MS, Parkinson's, epilepsy, lots of epilepsy, um, and that type of stuff. Um, we're going to see more cancers. The, uh, the big thing that I'm worried about, and I don't have any research on this, so I'm actually trying to find some, is the, the sudden adult death syndrome, I'm pretty sure, is coming from damage to the brainstem, specifically damage to the pons. Mm. So all these people who got Bell's palsy, where the side of the face kind of melts down, yeah. that is from damage to the facial nerve. The nucleus of the facial nerve is in the pons. The problem is the pons is also our autonomic respiration center. It's the reason we breathe while we're asleep. So if you damage that center, you end up with apnea to the point where you could stop breathing and not start again. Mm-hmm. And so you go to bed, okay, and you die in your sleep. If we've got damage to the pons, that's what we're going to see. So I've been running sleep studies on a lot of the people who are coming in with after they got vaccinated or after they had bad COVID mm-hmm. coming in and having like, I'm waking up and I'm, my heart's pounding. I'm like, like I'm sweating, like I'm like, like I'm scared of something. Yeah. We do sleep studies on them and they all got apnea. So that's a big thing that we're trying to see now. Uh, so if you, if you were starting to realize your sleep quality is gradually massively decreased mm-hmm. since you've had COVID or got vaccinated, get a sleep study. Even if you're like, well, I don't snore. I don't care. You might stop breathing. So mm-hmm. get a, get a sleep study. That's been helping a lot of people. What kind of patterns have emerged from the chiropractic model in terms of, uh, uh, vertebral focus, if you will, you know, in the cervical vertebrae, the thoracic, lumbar, anything like that, patterns have emerged that you've seen a commonality in the patient population unique to this time. So we've seen a lot of hit. So here's the thing. The, the way the body's made is it's so interconnected. So you might have an ovarian problem and you get a muscle spasm and you work that muscle spasm out and out and out. And it'll feel good for a couple of days. If you clean the ovary out, it'll fix that, that neurologic issue. So when we see low back pain and it's from the kidneys, like people come in and get adjusted, like my back's just flared up and you adjust them. They're like, uh, it's still a little tight. Well, that's because there's, there's more pressure on the kidneys. And so if you talk about the ACE2 system, you understand that this is a RAS system, a renin angiotensin aldosterone system problem. So that's going to give blood pressure issues in the kidneys, heart, lung, and brain. So that low back issue we're seeing is a, sometimes a big component of long COVID. And so when it compares with like anxiety, and people are like, I don't know why I have the anxiety I have all of a sudden, but I've got yeah. this anxiety now. Mm-hmm. Eastern medicine shows that pressure on the kidneys is uh, it creates anxiety. Right. So we'll do caster packs with far infrared radiation on it and wash that out. So if that's the issue, we can clean that out that way. But we're also seeing a weird hissinol, uh, hyssop. Uh, there's some type of, you know, we're seeing lots of like coughing and stuff like that. And that's the hyssop is the thing that's been fixing a lot of that respiratory, that, that coughing stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing, like I said, we're seeing some weird stuff. Yeah, uh, for sure. In terms of the pulmonary or lung issues, uh, we've been utilizing the the nebulizing of the silver and or the copper to bring it, it to the point of foci as well. We talked oxygenation issues. Uh, homeopathically, there are uh, brilliant remedies that can address this depending on which way your symptom uh, picture goes from Bryonia alba, which also works with the liver. And of course, uh, Antimonium tartaricum, Drosera rotundifolia and spongia tosta. Those are listed in the chapter in Unlock the Power to Heal on Lung Health that I wrote that book with my buddy Ty Bollinger. 
Uh, also, the utilization of a plant, God's medicine for the lungs and other things, uh, lobelia. Just consider all of these things as uh, options for restoring certain functions that have been corrupted over this long COVID scenario and all the things that it involves. Uh, I'm just so impressed, Dr. Chalmers, with the breadth of your knowledge. Again, well beyond just chiropractic knowledge, but I, that's why I asked the patterns that have emerged. And you not only identify those patterns, but saw what they were connected to. And uh, I hope that other doctors of chiropractic can connect with you and learn that because I believe that you all should be more primarily primary doctors than the allopaths that are still clueless about many of the things we're talking about. Even though they have the capacity to know them, they are programmed not to. And if they ask these questions, then they are, you know, chided or, you know, even a worse loss of license. We're going to threaten you. You're going to be out of the profession, uh, which tells you all about the integrity of that profession and how far it's strayed from if they had the intention and goal of helping people get well. And I think that most people that go into medicine have that intent. But the reality is the system has become so corrupted that I don't know that can be corrected from within as people are now shifting and going outside of it to try and create a parallel track that is not subject to the same uh, coercion, deception, and uh, domination. Well, so I, I am a lot of people's primary care. So like I said, we handle their hormone work. We'll handle all their supplementation, nutrition. So they come here when they get a cold or the flu or they come in when they, you know, whatever. Like a lot of people came here to get treated by COVID because they were like, they don't know what they're doing. So I wanted to come see what, you know, what your offer was. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to fix a lot of that stuff. So a lot of guys are starting to trend this way. I actually, it's funny because I do a lot of work, like I'll write hormone cycles and like explain that type of stuff to a lot of the medical guys. Yeah. And so like, I have a lot of medical doctors who are patients of mine um, and I run all their healthcare because like the big thing that we get into is like, you know, people keep bringing their cholesterol levels and I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. We have a test that looks specifically at your arteries to see if you have any plaque in them. Why would you pull a lab and then guess? Especially UCLA just came out and said 75% of the people who had heart attacks and strokes had good or normal cholesterol levels. And so the medical community came back and were like, well, that's because we're not prescribing statins low enough. When we know that it's the inflammation, we know it's the fibrinogen tissue factor causing the placking, but it's almost irrelevant of uh, cholesterol levels, which is why it irritates me because they tell people, well, if you're under 180, you're fine. That's not the case. If you have high sympathetic stress, you're going to end up creating reactive oxidative stress, which is going to damage the blood vessel, and you're going to get placking. So yeah. get a calcium CT, and it'll show you the placking. Get an echocardiogram, it shows you exactly everything that's going on inside your heart. So the idea that we do, we do a cholesterol draw and then somehow try to mathematically guess at the, at the function in the arteries of the heart, where we can literally just do a test and find out, irritates the fire out of me. And well, when we start... Go ahead. Dr. Chalmers, I'm with you. It's beyond that. I think it's criminal that they still do this, that they still pretend that cholesterol is the causative agent in uh, cardiovascular disease and placking, if you will, because it has to be preceded by or concurrent with the inflammation and damage to the lining of the, the endothelial lining. And that necessitates patching and repairing for life-saving measures to keep you alive long enough to have a heart attack or a stroke later on if you don't know what's going on. Um, there, there are many factors that are creating that. And, you know, one of the things we've utilized here is that formula called Cardio Miracle for sustained nitric oxide production. And because it's a food product to counteract the corresponding rise of peroxynitrite, which would create more inflammation in, in ROS uh, uh, scenarios. So we have tools, again, nutritional tools to counteract that and do extraordinary things. And I'm, I'm really thrilled and I'm glad and I'm not surprised that doctors are coming to you. Again, I only wish that they would then take that, what they learn from you and apply it there but their system of drugging people back to health is not conducive to doing what you do because it would eliminate 99.9 percent .9 of the the need for the prescription pad 
which is the basis of their system and paradigm. Well, so I, what I'm doing is I'm slowly pulling them off on our side. Uh, yeah. So like two of them have now gotten their functional medicine certification and they're starting to come over and do this stuff because they started realizing that this, that this worked better for their family. Like one of them came over and he, the kid had a bad ear infection and I adjusted his ear. So the ear infection, we call that, is basically just when the, the lymph stops draining all the goo and mm -hmm. it backs up and creates inflammation. It's not necessarily infected. It's just pissed off. Right. So if you adjust it and let it drain, I have never adjusted in, uh, the cervical, the, the upper part of the spine, the lower part of the skull, the occiput and atlas, and yeah. then adjusted an ear and not have the ear infection go away with, like within an hour or two. So like, I mean, you do that a couple of times to their kids and they just look at you and go, yeah. all right, there's something else going on here. What do you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's How cool. Cause, cause if you get to, you, then you, then you find the docs who really want to help people. Right. And these, yeah. some of these functional medicine MDs, like, They've taken it upon themselves to actually learn how things work. And they, that's, those are the guys who are throwing out supplements first. Those are the guys who are down with doing testosterone therapy for men and for women, bringing all those, the, the natural levels of your hormones back up. But it's, you know, it is something that is, there is some hope in this, in the, in the society of, you know, everybody's coming to the right side. Mm -hmm. um, so it is kind of nice to see, but there, we need to spend a lot more time reading the research. That's, that's sure. kind of my big thing. Well, and, and how about the research that shows the danger of the very first thing that they do in the United States of America if your kid is born in a hospital? Jab them with an aluminum-containing hep B shot as if they have a, you know, a, a penchant for leaving the uh, delivery room and going out and getting a tattoo with a dirty needle. I mean, it's such absurdity, much less the idea that an artificial antigen-type injection can elicit an antibody response in an immune system that is so immature it's not going to be able to develop antibodies, arguably, for maybe even years, depending on who you're reading or in regards to immunology. Uh, so again, I'm embarrassed for these doctors, physicians, and researchers that are actually supporting, even to this day, the vaccine industrial complex and the attack on children, especially that increased after the 1986 act that was passed, uh, that Reagan signed, one of the worst things he did uh, to allow for the uh, abolition of any uh, liability by the manufacturers of those vaccines, it exploded the schedule, and nobody suffers from a vaccine deficiency disease. In fact, you know, my kids have not had one vaccine and they're 23 and almost 18 and they don't have the chronic diseases that I had that my wife had. And we had far fewer. I had far fewer vaccines in my young years. My wife had a lot more uh, because she was a civilian military brat. So they traveled around the world, but she was damaged. And of course, in the chiropractic profession, I find that most children of chiropractors are not vaccinated. Not all, but most of them are. And they're the healthiest kids you'll ever see. Plus, they're getting adjusted. Well, and they, you know, the, it's funny because like my kids have been taking supplements since they were like three, two or three. Yeah. And people are like, why do you make your kids swallow supplements? And I'm like, okay, you just, you asked, so now you're going to have to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And I, you just explained to people that the nutrient density, the, the actual chemicals that make our body function are so low in our food, you cannot be healthy unless you supplement. It is not possible. Now you can live in Hawaii or Panama or Italy. They, they have good food. The nutrient density in our food is so absolutely terrible. You cannot make it through health in a healthy state without supplementing in some manner. So, you know, we have to give these supplements to our kids. And then, you know, I get my kids adjusted on a regular basis just to make sure that everything's still working right. Um, but it's, it, it, is a, it is a big, big deal to make sure that we're the body's functioning the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, are you doing mentorship programs for other DCs or MDs that are coming to you? Or is it just a matter of it's a default thing that happens when they come see you, you're caring for them. They're like, dude, I got to do more. I got to learn more. And it just kind of happens. A little bit of both. So I teach a bunch of hormone stuff. Um, so we've had really good success with uh, ending diabetes in about three or four weeks. 
Uh, we'll get people who've come in for years and years. And it's funny to me because like people still think that diabetes is a blood sugar problem. It's an insulin problem. And so it's pretty easy to fix um, if you attack it from an insulin function standpoint. Uh, and so we've been doing lots of that. And so that's been, that's been really fun. So, you know, the docs who are coming over are starting to learn, you know, some of that stuff. So we teach those, we teach the classes in all hormones and testosterone and, you know, pulling the estrogens down and, you know, limiting those for women and bringing the testosterones up. So we teach a lot of this stuff in little seminars we do for the docs and then any of them who end up being my patients, we go through it. So, yeah, but we're also teaching a lot of the chiros and we're actually starting an MSO group mm -hmm. to help them deliver testosterone therapy to all of their patients. Are we so, looking at endogenous production of testosterone or are we looking at synthetic introduction externally? So um, the problem that we're looking at with testosterone, so you have to, you have to understand how, the, how well, this is how I view it. Okay. Anything that the body's specifically asking for from a receptor site function, I'm going to go ahead and consider natural. So like testosterone cypionate, I consider natural. We use it all the time. The other one we use all the time is nandrolone decanate. This, is, this was designed specifically to not convert to estrogen and not convert to dihydrotestosterone. So it's a quote unquote safer steroid. The problem is that this is not what the, the estrogen receptors used to seeing. So I consider this synthetic. So just like, so like D3, D3 is not a vitamin, it's a hormone. So if you take D3, you know, you're doing the same thing. You're doing hormone therapy. And so, you know, keeping those levels where they're supposed to be is the most important. Now doing it, if you can do it endogenously, that's hundred percent the way to go. Mm -hmm. The problem that we see is because of the stress system that people are under, the way the sympathetic parasympathetic shunt functions is that you get into what's called cortisol steel, where you're, all the nutrients your body was going to use to make testosterone, it now is using to make cortisol. Mm -hmm. And so unless you can figure out a way to break that psychological sympathetic stress problem, you're never going to get this fixed. And that's why we have to add in the exogenous. I got so, you. Well, the depth and breadth of your response, again, explains that you know what you're talking about. And I appreciate that. And I'm glad you related it that way, but you're right. The ideal is to get that metabolic system back in line. So all of this is done endogenously, but right now we are so far from that as a species in many cases, uh, that these are a bit, a bit of a, a, you know, crisis intervention. I would say allopathic, we talk about crisis intervention. We discuss that in terms of in injury, right? And treatment of injury, but in modulating endocrine function and getting it back to where it needs to be, the pathways are so corrupted. We're far from it in many cases. And I have an ideal. I think you have an ideal, but you found out what you need to do to get people kind of on the way back there. But it's not perfect now because we're so far, we strayed so far from the natural world. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a really big issue. The other thing I find hilarious is people will come into me who their doctor's treating their thyroid and all they do is pull a TSH. Mm -hmm. TSH is a brain hormone and it's not a thyroid hormone. And so, you know, you need to pull T3 as well. But if you give people iodine, the vast majority of time, the, the, the thyroid can do its job. Our nutrients, our diet is so devoid of iodine and T3 is tri-iodine. It's just a bunch of iodine. Mm -hmm. And so if we give, we take the iodine and we go back to that natural function, we take the iodine, most of the time your thyroid's going to fix itself. Yes. So, you know. Yeah. And remember, metabolically, iodine needs selenium to fully engage, just like a lot of things. And uh, that's the kind of discussion we have. And I certainly appreciate connecting with you, Dr. Chalmers. This has been uh, fun. And everybody didn't tell you to warn you to put on your egghead hats you know, <laughs> before we started today. But I, again, I, I dig it. I love going there. Uh, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing. Do you have any events coming up to the public that people can participate in? 
So we're going to start doing some, um, so I have my buddy of mine talked me into actually, he was like, you just need to go out with your crusade and just run it. Um, so I'm trying to it, make a big dent in the opioid epidemic by using cannabis in a sublingual form to block pain. Uh, we use it for my son. He had surgery. He broke his arm. He had surgery and a plate and six screws removed from his arm. And all I gave him were these cannabis strips. So they're dosable so we can cut them down. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to knock out his pain without getting him, getting him high. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. Uh, we used it for my mom who broke her sternum in a car wreck. That was fine. We used it for cancer. We used it for migraines. And so we know 64% of the time we can block pain function with cannabis. Now, the problem is, is that that's great. We can use a lot less opioids doing that. However, people are still addicted. And so we're using ketamine to break the addiction cycle so we can actually attack the, the opioid epidemic on two fronts. So we can, we can here's, here's something to take for daily pain instead of opioids, which is yeah. cannabis strips. And then here on this side, we can stop people who are already addicted. Yeah. And so they can go back and either use cannabis or just not use anything. And so those are the two things that we're working on right now uh, to get kind of everything going. And so like the one of the ones we're doing is a Delta 8 product so that can, we can ship it to all places. Mm -hmm. And that's, a, that's the game eight strips uh, that, we're, that we're working with that's been able to do all of the stuff for the pain. And so I just did a TED talk on it. It should be out in about two weeks. So okay. that's the cool stuff that we're trying to do is we're trying to make a massive dent in the opioid issue with functions, the brains, the way that's supposed to design to work through the CBR1 receptors. Yeah. Rather than uh, the Ozempic model, <laughs> we just covered that. The most bizarre things are going on with that drug, including having them crap their bed. I mean, this is like a, a side effect. Yeah. But we lost weight, right? It's all good. No. Not so well, bad. so here's, here's the problem with semiglutide. Um, and semiglutide can be used in a fairly safe way, but you have to be in ketosis first. Mm -hmm. So the problem is, is that when you take semiglutide, it is the same receptor function as the satiety hormone. So your body thinks you're super full. So you never want to eat. Well, the problem is if you're not in ketosis first, you lose a lot of, you lose fat, but you lean, you lose lean muscle mass, organ tissue, things like that. So then when you achieve your desired weight and you quit taking it, you eat like normal again, you get fatter faster because the, the lean muscle mass you lost, lost metabolic function. Mm -hmm. And so the same calories that were making you a little bit fat before now make you really fat. Yeah. Are you talking also about the micro dosing of these ingredients as opposed to full on uh, allopathic more is better? Uh, oftentimes more is not better. Um, no. But so if you're going to do it, because like my thing is that if people call me like, I'm going to do this thing, like I'm going to use this, this anabolic steroid or I'm going to do the, you know, this thing. And they're like, I'm like, all right, fine. I will not chastise your decisions because you're mm -hmm. an adult and you got free will. You go do it. I'm going to do my job to make it as healthy as I can. You can't make things all the way healthy, but we can balance this a little bit. Yeah. And so that's what like, if people are like, I have to do this. I'm going to you know, take these pills or take the injections. It's like, okay, get into ketosis first and then monitor these nutrient levels as you go through. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's a, it's a rough one. It's not one I would recommend. It's not a, not a clean, good way to oh, lose weight. Good Lord. Look, if we can do it without uh, synthetic pharmaceuticals, we'll all be better off. I recognize they're here and I'm a freedom guy. So I, I don't try to block people if that's what they want to do. But, um, you know, if, if there's another pathway out of that mess before you go into more toxicological burdens, uh, that's that's my bias. I'll just say that as a homeopath. And uh, I admit it, I, and I'm, I'm fine with that. And uh, Dr. Chalmers, really a pleasure to make a connection with you. And uh, when that TED Talk comes out, please let us know. We can uh, link to it. I'd love for, uh, for folks to learn more from you. You're doing amazing work. Thank you. Yeah. And you see that website. It's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, Chalmers Wellness dot com and uh there's also the book pillars of wellness uh, we've got that linked up you can get it on amazon or probably booksellers everywhere 
and uh, grateful for all your efforts and including the pain management issue. Uh, you know, I, I know Superdome probably mentioned to you, Kratom. You haven't had that experience with it. I've seen uh, tremendous things working with that. Uh, but throw it out there. I want more options for people to navigate these addictive uh, scenarios and break the cycle of addiction or maybe never have to go down that road if you can. So thank you. Absolutely, man. All right. Dr. Matt Chalmers here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. First time. Great, triumphant start to that rapport and relationship. And what he's doing is really good. We need more of that. And I appreciate him very much. So uh, again, thank you. And y'all check him out if you want to learn more. Uh, in Texas, his website has a phone number and everything. Uh, so you can follow up if you have questions or want to go see him for help directly. Uh, we've got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show heading into the weekend here, as well as hour two, our discussion with our good buddy, our pal, you know him, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center, scheduled to join us in hour two. Always exciting. And my mom's excited. She loves Michael Bolden. Oh, he's so cute. And um, yeah, I might have to hook up that secondary microphone before uh, we get an hour or two to, to get her on here. If not, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but we got that as well. Uh, what else is also uh, in the news? There, there's a, um, I'm not a betting kind of guy, but if you are, uh, Steve Kirsch has put out a lot of challenges uh, uh, in terms of put your money where your mouth is. He says, now I'm willing to bet $5 million that vaccines do cause autism. You know, this is like, Say what you will about this guy, but dude, he's not holding back. He's going. Have up. you noticed he hasn't had to pay anybody? Yeah, and then no one takes him up on his challenges. How does that happen? I Five think, million? Yeah. Holy moly. Superdon's going to find a way to show you that. I got to figure out how to. Yeah. <laughs> it's tempting. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's like playing the lottery, but um, you probably have uh, a better chance of winning the lottery than uh, beating. Uh, Steve Kirsch, though, yeah. it seems at this point. Think about how far we've come in the last few years where people like Steve Kirsch, you know, I think he was, a, you know, became rich on investment stuff, uh, you know, things like yeah. that. Now he's he's also got a background in science and the sciences, uh, but he's out there, you know, just pushing the envelope and, and calling out all the people that have been what we call vaccine injury denialists uh, and and beating them back. I mean, the, the poor skeptics, I mean, all they have is the ability to try and manipulate through bots to try and capture or recapture people that they're losing by the day. Uh, as far as that belief in the sanct sacrosanct nature or lack of nature, but the sanctity of these uh, injections, for instance. Yeah, no, you are, you are hundred percent right. And uh, how, how a guy like Steve Kirsch can just pop up out of no, it, it just, I don't know. He's, he's an interesting guy. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Um, and it's an interesting conversation each time yeah. I I've, I've noticed where it's, it's, it's not a, you know, just a boom, 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 boom conversation because he's such a, an intellectual, uh, yeah. and, and you, you can just see the wheels are always turning when he's talking, but, uh, it, it's interesting how he's thrown all these challenges out because he's, you know, he can back it up. Yeah, he can. Uh, and, and nobody has, uh, nobody's taken him up on his offers yet. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yep. All right. Well, one of the offers that we have here is our friends at Nutritional Frontiers offer 15% off all of their wonderful products. RSB15 is the discount code, including uh, certified organic U.S. grown hemp, CBD. Uh, you go to cbdnf.com or nutritionalfrontiers.com. Use the code RSB15 on checkout. And I just want to remind you, um, there, there are deals every every month. Look at this. Super Don's got the ultimate shake, the power cleanse. 
uh, and uh, you you can check that out. Judy Mikovich has been a big fan and supporter of the combination of using the Cardio Miracle and the Proline Greens. I've been utilizing regularly the Inner DMG product as well to counteract a lot of uh, toxicological exposures like to the glyphosate, but it's more than that, the DMG product. But the lozenges are great to travel with, very easy to use in our whole family. I got the kids on it. Uh, When they go out, they're going with their DMG lozenge as well. So check that out from Nutritional Frontiers. Also at uh, uh, Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org, I think the next round of classes start up in just like three or four days. And if you haven't signed up yet, uh, you want to get plugged in, whether it's health coach or certified natural health professional, all the things that, that they provide to you, lectures on demand. It's incredible what is offered and how even if or especially if you are a medical or nursing professional, going through these programs will enhance your ability to truly and genuinely help those that are coming to you for help. And you need that help to be able to help yourself. So check out trinityschool.org. Remember, the Trinity Health Freedom Expo is coming up mid-October outside of Chicago. And the Trinity Live event is going to be piggyback right before it, if you will, leading into it. So there's a lot of ongoing uh, continuing education that you'll have access to. If you go to robertscabbell.com, you can uh, sign up for our newsletter. Or you can also text my initials RSB to the number 22828 uh, to get plugged in to the newsletter that Super Don occasionally sends out. More than not lately. Uh, <laughs> I, I was like a few days in a row last it was week. Amazing. I, it was like you yeah, were on a streak of some kind. I was busy this week. But I'm going to figure out the, the, the trick here. The magic later. trick to keep that yeah. communication going. Because we did. It's so funny. Some people would complain. Where's the newsletter? And usually you think about complaints. It's like you're sending me too much stuff. It's like Super Don. You always keep them wanting more. You know, it's funny because uh, I people will, you know, they'll sign up mm-hmm. for the newsletter. Letter. Mm-hmm. They'll also unsubscribe. You know, it goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because sometimes what will happen is when somebody unsubscribes, uh, they do an exit survey. Yeah. So, you know, uh, sorry to see you go. You know, what's the reason why you're leaving? And, and so, you know, I'll get people to be like, I never sign up for your email. Right. It's like. Well, how do you think you magically just appeared on our email list? You did sign up for the email, or you send me you send me too many emails, and I'm sending them like like one a week yeah. at the time. You know, it's just like come on. So some people like it, some people don't, and that's okay. Yep. We're not we're not going to force it to force it on you. Yeah. Um. But anyway, in any case, yeah, I, I like putting them together. It's a lot of fun. I just I've got 37 other things going on at the same time, so it's just I have to triage sometimes. But, but yes, out, sign up. Check out the upcoming events as well. And there's a tab for that. We the Patriots USA event coming up next weekend in Boise, Idaho. And we've got a lot of friends that are going to join us up there in Boise, as well as uh, then the Real Solutions for Healthy Living, June 24th. So first up, and by the way, RSB 50, go back up there. RSB 50, a 50% discount code for tickets to the National Conference there in Boise, Idaho, June 2nd, June 3rd. And uh, use the code RSB50 to get 15% off. Or if you want to buy somebody a ticket that's up there, go, hey, I'll I'll sprout, uh, I'll sponsor you to be there. 50% off RSB50 is that discount code. Uh, then we have the the north of Denver by about an hour, Loveland, Colorado, June 24th. Door, doors open at 9 a.m. I think it's a Saturday event all day. I'll be there for that. Then we have the RSB Family Union, July 14th, 15th, and 16th. Thanks to Leslie and family. Uh, a lot of... Uh, well, camping and music and learning and healing and homesteading, all kinds of cool stuff. You can check that out. 
Then the uh, Maho event is happening in Columbus, Ohio. That's the 21st to the 23rd, but I'll be speaking on the 21st, the Friday evening at Whitaker's Farm Market. That's about, I think, 45 minutes to an hour outside of uh, Columbus. Uh, if you know about Jocelyn and the family there, I've done that many times over the years. I said many, a few times. That's pretty good. And then uh, this one's for Michael Bolden in hour two because I'm coming to his neighborhood or close enough, Glendale, California, for the 48th annual Cancer Control so- Society convention, September 2nd through 6th, but basically Labor Day weekend, uh, Glendale, California. Uh, Cancer Control Society. And then we have the Red Pill Expo in August. Wait a second. It's backwards still, or is it? When is... No, I haven't. I haven't changed it it. You didn't switch it. It's all right. What happened to me? I went backward and forward in time. It's okay. It's not like people are going to like miss it because it was in the wrong spot. Okay. August 12th and 13th. Des Moines, Iowa. And by the way, G. Edward Griffin is my special guest for Sunday Conversations. And we've got bonus conversations on the health of G. Edward Griffin with the help of Folium PX, Folium products, foliumpx.com. My mom's been utilizing it and she's doing great. My wife has started it. And I think there's some really good signs there as well. Her ability to withstand a lot going through a lot that that would have wiped her out before. So I'm very encouraged of that. And keeping G. Edward Griffin alive and well here is an important part of what we do. And that's uh, coming up in August, the Red Pill Expo. Then the Biomed Expo, September 14th through 17th. And you can check that out, biomedexpo.com. And then the 8th Annual Health Freedom, Your Health Freedom Gallon Symposium. Thanks to my friend Kristen Chevrier, 6th and 7th of October. Then we've got the 14th and 15th of October for the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. And that's trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. And then we've added even one more thing here. Look at this, November 3rd through 5th. Another oh, big did, event. Did I did I exit out too soon? No, you did. Yeah, you did. Because I one did. I did yeah. add something well, else at the bottom. Right? Yeah. Right. Look, Look at, at that this master plan for raising healthy kids and adults. There's a lot going on. November third, fourth, and fifth in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm looking forward to being back there with you all. And I think there'll be a film festival as well. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, UtahSafeAndEffective.org is free to watch. Maybe we'll have to enter that into the mix as well. So with that, thank you for indulging me on the upcoming events. When we come back, my pal, my buddy, you know him, you love him, mom loves him, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center joins us to crank it up and get us to the weekend in, I think, uplifted, happy style, even though, no, there's no even though, the power to heal is yours. All right, hour two commences. I have a special guest in studio. No, it's not Michael Bolden. He's in his own studio. It's mom, yeah. Grandma Mickey. Uh, can you hear? Hi, everybody. I need to know if this is working because I just connected her microphone, Super Don. So you're going to have to open up your mic and talk to me and tell me what you hear. If you don't mind. Can you hear me? I hear you. You don't hear her? She's not saying anything. You heard me? No, I cannot. Okay, so I've got to figure out how to g- activate her microphone while I'm real-timing this show, you know? So <laughs> that's the trick. So you've got you've got her headset plugged in. Is it just is it the headset itself well, plugged right into the board too, or what? Plugged, in, plugged into a microphone input to XLR2, and I don't okay. see that represented on the board for some reason. Are you getting levels on the board at all when she talks? 
Can I talk? Yeah, on on one, I am. Yes. Hello. Hello. One two. Let's turn it up. It. Turn it up. Turn it up. Turn it up. All right. One two three four. Check one, check check. Hello hello. I apologize. I'm trying to get her Hi. so we can hear her, and it's showing up on the board. So I don't know why it's not going. Yeah, we can hear her coming through your microphone. Oh, that's why. So where's microphone two, my brother? That's all I need to know. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to throw this down here real close to her uh, to make it work. But again, I try to do that uh, in on the fly while we're live on the air, and that's a challenge I couldn't rise to, apparently. Well, you plugged it into the XLR, and it's yep. on microphone or on fader two. Yes. And if you hit the color button at the top of the fader, then you would select the microphone. Yeah, I just have the two represented in my uh, on my board. You know. Oh yeah, that's a configuration that would right. have to be done ahead of time. Bummer. Okay, so yeah. Mom, sorry. Say hi here. Hello, everybody. Get closer. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. Hello, everybody. So happy to be here with my son and family and everybody on my granddaughter's graduation from high school, and she was so awesome, and she is awesome. And what do you what do you think What do you think of this guy? Which, oh, my goodness. If I was younger, I'd go after him. <laughs> oh. I don't know about this if thing. Grandma. <laughs> so cute. This is the best day ever. <laughs> Hi, Michael. Hello. 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 Robert, get out of here. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to be here Let now. Let me run the show, yeah. <laughs> Just me and Michael and Don. <laughs> Go ahead. Let me get out of your way. All right. I'm hiding behind the microphone. Boom. While a mom's here. Do you want to hang out and just listen? Sit down. Yeah. You can do that. I'm sending, I'm sending a virtual hug. Yeah. And you can hear him though, right? Oh, yes? great. Okay, good. All right. So anything. Wish I was there say? with you guys. Yeah. Have a seat there yeah. safely. You can keep that on your headphone if you want to hang out with me in studio. I apologize. I couldn't get the microphone to work. But then again, if I did, she would take over the show. So yeah, not cool. Grandma, not cool. Anyway. We're having fun, and I'm grateful that she's here and got to see Ariana's graduation and all the, the fun things that she's doing now as well. And uh, we went to the rehearsal for the Cries of Liberty. Is that what it's called? Cries of Freedom. And she's playing Joan of Arc in the play coming up over the July 4th holiday weekend here, uh, which is fun. So anyway, Michael Bolden, it's so great to see you. You. <laughs> Super down. Happy, happy every other Friday. I'm excited happy. to be here. Yeah. And and the sad part, of course, the, the acknowledgement of this day is I would have been heading out to St. Louis for the Advanced Medicine Conference. Obviously, uh, you met Dr. Batar at one of the conferences. Remember yep. when we did it in Pasadena, I think? Yep. Or even was... at the Truth About Cancer events? Uh, I may have met him at Truth About Cancer here in Orange County. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I definitely got to hang out with Ty that day, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And But uh, otherwise, the Pasadena event a few years ago. Yeah, and it's a it's a, a you know a significant loss because he's you know he's not only a, a a man that many people came to know through his uh, statements about things that were very uh, outrageous according to the mainstream of thought, but really correct in so many ways. On top and of it, I feel like I met him probably seventy five or more times on Mondays. I remember when that first changed. That mm -hmm. was like, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen on Mondays? But you guys somehow pulled it off. 
Somehow we managed. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I certainly missed him. We have so much fun and Super Don found like 425 something episodes. Wow. And he's, you know, slowly feeding them back in, at least to the patron side of things. And um, there are those, I think Medical Rewind, Dr. Batar had them there. Uh, but I, again, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I haven't heard, you know, follow up from the family when there's a, a larger memorial service. We've been doing online memorial yeah, services. Well. They're still doing in the Advanced Medicine Monday kind of uh, meetings. I think Super Don wasn't. I was invited for Memorial Day Monday to do something online with that through Clubhouse. Yeah, and rumor has it that uh, it's going to continue. Um, just okay. with with some other people picking up the torch. Um, that would make sense because I mean he wasn't doing. I, I mean I don't know him personally. I never. I mean other than meeting him and then just knowing through you. He didn't seem like the guy, kind of guy who was doing this kind of work for personal gain. I mean, clearly, with all the attacks that he had over the years. It looks like he was trying to create something to help other humans. No. And that's the type of thing that I think lives on after someone's passing. But yeah. It's really just up to, like, what you were saying, Don, it's up to somebody else or other people to take up that torch. Right. Yeah, he had a, uh, he had a co-host that was doing it with him. Uh, and that, you know, before he passed, obviously, and uh, apparently the co-host, I've been talking with him behind the scenes and, and he's uh, indicating that that's something he's going to try and do. So. Who's the co-host? Uh, we had him, I think we, didn't we have him on the show? Jim uh, Garrigus mm-hmm. or no, no, he, uh, where, where do we have him at? No, he became a patron. Oh yeah. And he was on the, the, the AMA that we had. Uh, Jim Jim Garrigus. I call him Jim Asparagus because he when when I, I was like, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. He says it sounds like asparagus. And I'm just like, yeah. I'll just go with asparagus. We've got David Avocado. Uh-huh. That's and right. Jim asparagus. That, asparagus. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you're you're the clarity of your microphone is great. No issue. It's not crunchy at all, but it's a little hot coming down the pike. Remember, we're trying to mod- modulate the the levels. I didn't touch anything. No, I believe you. Don't don't yell at me. I'm just saying, for whatever reason, that board <laughs> I'm not going to yell at you. Yeah, don't yell. Uh, at all right, so I'll and, just bring it down a little bit there. All right, and, okay. and Michael, um, as far as the clipping and clicking, is that okay? What do you hear from Michael's? Uh, Michael? Yeah, it's a little crunchy. Oh, a little I mean, crunchy. I can just reload my browser and see if that does the trick. It's not. It's not terrible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's 25 seconds to reload. Yeah, have them reload. I know, but I don't think we can handle 25 seconds without you. No, but we can talk about it. You him. sure about ears, that? Make his ears burn. I yeah. love you more. We're going to, oh. his ears are now burning. <laughs> unofficial or officially. And, uh, oh, look, he yeah. was extra fast. It didn't go yeah. 25 seconds. I wanted it to go 25 seconds. Did that clean it up? Yeah. yeah. So far, it seems fine. Okay, yeah. great. Anyway, anyway. So, what's new with Michael Bolden since the last Man. time we talked? How are you feeling? I feel amazing because I'm with you guys. <laughs> I think he was asking about the back. Oh. How's, how's your back? Well, yeah. this is going to be an ongoing conversation then, but mm. I am less bad because I'm treating it in a way to remove things that are causing problems. Okay. And just giving myself time to heal and taking lots of turmeric and cayenne pepper for anti-inflammatory. I'm also taking... Um, silica on a daily basis tons of cbd cbda as well uh to help with some of the inflammation and 
as long as I'm really cautious about how I am, I'm finding like this week I had like four days in a row where it kind of felt almost normal. As long as I didn't push myself too hard. Yesterday was a little rough. Uh, but then I just know that I have to get back on track, do more core exercises. Mm-hmm. I just did some, <laughs> I did some planks before we started the show here because oh. when I squeeze my core, it really helps that whole area. It's like gives it some padding. So I just got to keep focused and consistent, but uh, so yeah, what, I'm on the mend. Yeah. Good. What is it that you, if you're doing something wrong, like what is the most triggering thing that you do wrong that will elicit that pain again? The worst one is sitting down. I almost never okay. sit. Gotcha. Yeah. I like I I had to do an errand uh 2 days ago so I was in a car for about 30 minutes and that means mm-hmm. off and on for the last 24 hours I was feeling a little tingle not crazy but a little tingly pain uh I mean my disc must be pretty bad to, wow. I, I basically I'm just as long as I'm standing bracing I we do uh gluteal palpitations not butt squeezes and <laughs> And I do a lot of core work and I'm walking all the time. So a lot of the motion, motion is good. And it's fascinating. I've also lost four pounds since I hurt my back. So I might want to stick with this. Wow. Very wow. Cool. That's, that's about as good as Ozempic, I think. I know. You better. just don't crap yourself. <laughs> well, there was a moment there. Oh, that's a different kind of gluteal uh, uh, uh palpitation or whatever well l5s1 nerve endings can actually can actually (laughs) affect that type of thing i didn't get it that bad though can you hear michael this is again the 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 processing of of super don's voice coming through his microphone it's clear as can be but when you speak versus when he speaks it's much louder when super don speaks and i'm trying to gather that's because bolden's levels are lower than mine can you boost that up on your end i i did a bit yes okay okay all right. Just, there. Uh, he's all he's as high as I can get him. You're you're totally high now. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I am in California. There. Is that yeah. better? Yeah, that's that's more equivalent to yours. And I don't know how mine's coming across relative. You sound to you, you guys both sound beautiful. I mean, I okay. don't know how I sound, but all right. Well, you look beautiful if that matters at all. <laughs> that's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh so I, I mentioned the the Labor Day weekend. Please don't go anywhere outside of the LA. I don't. Glendale's pretty close. I can do that. Okay. All right. So I, I will look for, I'll bring some copper for you. Cause that's another thing to help oh, excellent. the inflammation, but I don't know if it can wait that long, but I want to make sure you, you get fully recovered by then. I'm plan. I am planning on it. So if I'm not, well, <laughs> I'll still see you. I'll just uh, be a little fragile. Ugh. Fragile. One of the- just, you can't jump on me. No, I, when you I, say I hello, I don't. I mean, I do give you a big. I hug. mean, I'll do. I'll do some gluteal palpitations, and you know, I'll squat, and then if you jump to give me a hug, I'll do my best. But if I can't, either that or you'll just it. just step out of the way. And- <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> that quick. <laughs> <laughs> I've played with Robert on a basketball court. He's got some side moves much faster than I do. I'm kind of like a big. Oh yeah, I can. We'll move. use the term "oaf." Oaf is fine. Yeah, I can move. I can't shoot, but I can move. Uh, so. Is Superdon sent this article about AI and, and the deep fake thing. Microsoft chief, chief says that deep fakes are biggest AI concern. Has anybody deep faked Michael Bolden yet to kind of mm-hmm. say something out of character about, you know, I hate the 10th Amendment or I don't want to nullify anything. I mean, something bizarre like that. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't, I, I think in terms of character, if you know somebody, I think you could spot a deep fake. But if you don't know them from Adam and you see a deep fake done, 
they could say whatever and you'd believe it. That's how good that that, has, that technology has become. That might actually be a, a helpful. What do you mean helpful? Well, I'm back in the day when we used to have taxi cabs rather than Uber. Uh, and I've always been kind of a cab kind of guy. But when I was living in L.A., I was always taking cabs. It was almost always someone who had gotten out of Eastern Europe. So lots of uh, Romanian, Russians, lots of Russian cab drivers where I lived in this part of Hollywood at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had some of the best political conversations with people who had escaped being behind the Iron Curtain. I mean, we're talking mid-90s. So think of Russians driving cabs in L.A., 95 through 99, for example. A lot of them clearly had their whole life under communism. And I'd have all these interesting foreign policy conversations, and they would always want to strike up the convos. One that really stuck out with me, though, was I forget how it came up, but it was talking about some war, of course. And the guy was just laughing. He's like, ha, ha, ha. You know, you guys hear all these things on your news shows. And sure, we have Pravda, but we all know it's a lie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you guys actually believe these things. So in a weird way, if I'm looking for silver linings, sure, the more that a deep the more that people are skeptical of everything that they hear, I think in a weird way might be helpful in the long run. Well, I think that long run is is what I talk about in terms of track record of people that you know. And when you see something that makes no sense from them, that that's where I would ask people to look a little deeper as far as what they see or they think they believe is true coming through, you know, any form of media, including new media, because the technology has become so proficient to deceive uh, that watch the track record and the history of someone, you know, and then if it's out of character, maybe that's a clue. Some people that I follow, like uh, while I'm working, I always am watching or listening to all kinds of podcasts and shows. I'm like, I'm a uh, five days a week. I'm in the live chat here most of the time. Um, but I listen to a lot of people in the marketing realm. And one guy that I like had some, at one point basically said, you know, what? I'm going to just have to live stream 24 hours a day. So no one can claim that I'm saying that they're deep faking. Oh. <laughs> like, okay. It's not that hard to do to live stream 24 seven. Sarah and I figured. No, no, no. To now, oh. You know, when you're talking about deep fake, yes. um, I mean, there's, are you talking video? You talking audio? You talking both? Audio. Audio. I've seen some incredible ones. Yeah. I mean, I just uh, saw one on TikTok yesterday where they deep faked Frank Sinatra's voice singing a modern song. And I've listened wow. to a ton of, I mean, I grew up in a Sicilian household. We listened to a ton of Frank mm-hmm. and I couldn't, tell the difference other than he was singing a rap song wow yeah so what do you think is so easy super that you were referring to say it again sorry you said something was easy and i didn't yeah know. it's not that hard i mean uh i i i've had some i've had some fun with some things mm-hmm. uh, with that technology and, and i i actually use it for some of the work that i do cool. because I, I i check it out I, I do audio editing you know i moonlight on the side Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I'll have somebody that'll be reading, you know, a, a script or something like that. And I just had this happen yesterday, where the guy read this thing and it was like, "Oh man, I meant to say this, but I, I didn't." And whatever, can you edit that somehow? And it's funny how people are just like they think that if you can edit audio, you're a magician. You know, it's like you're, I'm going to totally change what you said and make you it. You can in a diff- with the script. Have you used the script? I haven't used the script, but there's another service that I use that is a an AI voice cloner 
Yes, same and, concept. And so, and so, what I've done, what I did then is I took his a bunch of his his uh, material, fed it into the AI, it cloned his voice, and then I typed in what it was that he wanted to say, yeah. and it said what it was that he wanted to say, and I was able to put that in there, and it fixed the problem. Now, can people use that for bad things? Yeah, of course, of, of course they can. You could probably, I'll bet you, if you wanted to, have Joe Biden say something like like this. I love Michael Bolden and the 10th Amendment Center. I even love checking out his pictures of avocado toast. They are the best. <laughs> wow. President Biden said that about Michael Bolden. Dude, that <laughs> is so awesome. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yes, this is the technology that's out there. Now, can you have fun with it? Absolutely. We just yeah. did. Yeah. But yeah, can it be used for for uh, a bad reasons? Of course it can. I actually so the the service I'm familiar with is Descript, but basically the same the same concept that you're describing, Don. You mm -hmm. feed with Descript, you feed one video into it, and you can type out basically what you want it to say. Right. I mean, although I've noticed way, with the video, the technology is not there yet because no, you can with still tell the audio end. So if the you audio just, is if you're awesome. extracting the audio of it, it'll redo the Descript. Will do that with the audio. Okay, I haven't checked uh, that one out. So that one, I've actually used Descript for getting text from video it's pretty good at that too now nice. mm. i don't know i think there's something to be said for making mistakes and having them be public like, and owning them a lot of people are really insecure mm -hmm. and i find myself actually kind of struggling with this from time to time too uh, when i do my podcasts i always do them live and <laughs> Uh, sometimes I say something totally wrong and I hear it and I'm like, oh man, where did that even come from? It's not even in my notes like that. And then I feel kind of like a little anxiety and I'm stressed out and I figure someone's going to call me out and sometimes they do. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you're watching, but I think that's the way a community grows and learns together. And if people don't have the humility to make mistakes and just be like, oh, I misspoke. Yeah. You know, it actually shows, I think it also shows a respect for the audience too. I don't know. I'm not really in, uh, I'm going to be that old dude who says, you know what? I said something wrong. It was wrong. Instead of like trying to fix it in post-production, I'll probably be that dude, but who knows? Call another, me out on it in a couple of years if I don't. Another reason, Michael Bolden, why we get along so famously, because I'm with you on that. I mean, this is it, the ability and willingness, if you will, to make mistakes in front of people. Yeah, uh, I think it's an important part of the humanity that is lost in in a, in a perfect AI world, right? That wants to correct everything. Yeah, and you know, it's one thing when I, for instance, when I narrated uh, the Utah Safe and Effective documentary, you know, in in the midst of the flow of a film, you, you don't flub in, in the film unless that's part of the the thing. But yeah, uh, so there are reasons why in a narration scenario you'd you'd want to flow and it to be accurate. Yeah, but, yeah, I guess it depends on the type of product. So, yeah, so a, a highly produced podcast, that's one thing where it's like it's got to be the information. But it's a conversational thing, more like a radio show, but no longer radio. I yeah. think in that you leave all you leave all the human error into it because that's part of what I think creates a better relationship. You are 100 percent correct. And that is the difference. And this is something I had to kind of reprogram my brain in because when we started off in radio it was a polished mm. shiny product and if it was anything less than that it wasn't right yeah you get into podcasting 
and you have like real conversation. And in yeah. real conversation, you don't speak like a robot. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you know, you, you flub, yeah, you know, you, you stutter, you know, whatever, you know, that's normal. And, and I think that people are drawn to that because it's genuine and it's real. And that's what they want to listen to rather than something that's some kind of a polished scripted performance. Yeah. And that's the reason why you have show, you know, shows like the number one podcast, like Joe Rogan. The reason why that's so popular, number one, he's a great communicator mm-hmm. and he's fun to listen to, but it's real. It's like you're hanging out with somebody in your living room having a conversation, yep. you know, and people, I think people dig that. That's the evolution that's taken place. Yeah. And I listened to a Rogan show or something along those lines. And then I listened to an NPR based podcast and the NPR based podcasts. I mean, the, obviously the production quality is very high, but right, it, could have, it could be a radio show from 1950 where yeah, it's, it's old fully school. produced. Old they've school. got, yeah. they've got sound effects in the background. They're basically, it's like listening to story time. And sometimes that can be interesting, but my personal preference is just hearing people have a convo, hearing people share their thoughts, being real and screwing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's probably why YouTube is such a popular platform. I'm no, no. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a. Button. Rumble is a very popular platform. That's all right. YouTube still is, is you know, they've still got good stuff on there. Uh, no, but I these platforms know. where any individual can make no. something from home, I think there's a reason why they're so popular. TikTok, all of them. Because that's what people are drawn to. Sure, we want to go see a, a movie at the theater, we watch a show or whatever it may be. But when you get down to it, I think more people are probably watching that stuff on a day-to-day basis than anything. Yep. Listening to as well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, I like that, you know, that since we went from radio to this, and it, and it took a while for us to get to this concept of what we call a long-form interview where it's, it's very organic. Like, you know, yesterday's, for instance, with Mark Anthony as our hour two guest. We oh, I didn't listen to hour two. I only got the yeah. first five minutes. I was uh, rare. Usually it's the other way around. I normally miss Emord, but I got yeah. to hear him. And it was pretty cool when he was citing the Alien and Sedition Acts and Jefferson and Madison. It's the closest he got to say nullification. I and I know you said it, but he was close. Yeah. yeah. I look, look, I, I, is that what you're waiting for is the day when, when John no, Ford says, no, because then he won't, he has no chance of winning. If he oh, starts okay. saying that, All right. <laughs> he's got to be smart. It's secretly true. though. Yeah. Secretly. You, you oh, wish I would love, I mean, he certainly said, you know, absolutely. The States have, have a role. That's their job is to, I mean, if you take an oath, it doesn't matter where you're, an oath is supposed to mean something, right? So if you take an oath to protect and preserve the Constitution for the United States and your state, mm-hmm. anytime you basically stand idly by and let them violate either, you're violating that oath, and no one should trust oath breakers. So uh, it's that's significant. A, you know, that's what, what about oath keepers? Oh, yeah. Oh, you bring up man, Stewart. Stewart. got nailed. What, 18, 18 years? 18 years. Yeah, I just saw that. <sighs> Yeah, we've interviewed Stuart Rhodes. We know him. I, I Stuart don't. Stuart Rhodes has slept at my apartment. Yeah, he, so. I, I just don't know what to make of what happened there. Honestly, I yeah. think Stuart actually had a bit of a shift over the years too. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think he went from basically taking a stand for the Constitution to switching to being more partisan, thinking that mm-hmm. taking a stand is picking one team or the other. 
Gotcha. And, but I wasn't really, I, and that's kind of, we stopped really talking a lot around that time too. So maybe that's just what it was. And, and I believe the charge that they, they got him on had to do with sedition, it was seditious, something or rather like yeah, that. And it's and, probably bogus to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, do you feel like, I mean, since you're, you're a little bit more constitutionally, uh, uh, scholarly than, than than I am. Yeah. Um, s- sedition. I mean, is that really what happened on January sixth? Can you honestly say that that was a seditious act that took place by the definition of the word? I mean, no, I don't. I don't get that feeling. I mean, it was. I don't either. There were some troublemakers there. Yeah. Did they damage some uh, some property? Yeah. Did, were they trespassing? Yeah. Yeah. Sedition? A mm. conspiracy to overthrow the government? I mean, the government's already done that. Yeah, exactly. And they've right. done that to other countries for, for generations. So, I mean, it seems to be kind of a common thing. But I can't... I mean, if anyone <laughs> thought they were going to try to overthrow the government on January 6th, was it 21? By doing now? what they did? How would that oh, overthrow man, the that government? Oh, man, that would have been Come the worst, worst overthrow in history. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard think, so many people say it was an attack on the Constitution. I think a lot of people, yeah. Wow, don't get me going on that one. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people uh, in government like to make uh, an example they like to scare people off from doing anything, right. saying anything, standing up. They want to frighten people, and they pick a few high-profile ones. And they t- they did this for years when it comes to cannabis prohibition. We used to hear year in and year out, oh, the feds are so powerful, they can just come into uh, California and shut them down whenever they want. And this was at a time when in Los Angeles there were somewhere between 1,000, maybe 1,500 or 1,700 cannabis retail stores in one city alone. That was more than Starbucks and 7-Eleven combined. And we did the numbers on how much it cost the DEA to do a bust, and we figured it was about 40% of the annual budget for the DEA for the entire country just to shut down, just to do the raids and prosecution in Los Angeles alone. And that's not even counting everywhere else. So what they did uh, just before Colorado had their legalization, they had the largest series of raids in state history, feds and states. They just would rotate from one state to the next, trying to scare people off from defying them. And it turns out it didn't work on that issue. And I think they're using the same approach on this. They use the same approach on the right to keep and bear arms, Mm -hmm. pretty much anything and everything. We've got this whole pistol brace uh, rule from the ATF. I don't. I don't think you guys have really discussed that one. Have we you? have no. not. Yeah. You want to describe what's going on there and who's in favor of it and who's not opposing it? You think would or should? What's the status? Well, well uh, a short version of pistol brace is is what it sounds like. It's something. It's generally there for someone with a disability. They attach it to a, a pistol and they can hold it. Like if you have one arm or one functional arm, whatever it may be. A lot of people tend to like this, and I think a lot of people have purchased them, whether they're disabled or not. And so what the government did, and this is the same approach that they took that the Trump administration took with the bump stock ban in 2018, mm-hmm. was it was an executive order from the Biden administration saying we want to basically put some new regulations on these pistol braces. The ATF goes through a, a pretty long process. They come up with some, a new rule. And it was issued at the beginning of this year. They basically said now 
They're not banning pistol braces. There's somewhere between 10 and 40 million of them in the country, according to the Congressional Research Service. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is saying, if you attach it to a weapon, you have to go through this worksheet now. It's yeah. called ATF's factoring criteria to determine whether or not the uh, pistol with a brace on it is no longer a pistol, but instead a short-barreled rifle that's under regulation under the National Firearms Act of 1934. Of course, as a wow. quick side note, I would argue that shouldn't exist in the first place, and neither right. should the ATF. And so it's a very confusing process because it's also part of the factoring criteria is you, you have to determine how it might be used or perceived. I mean, it's very much gray area. And I think government does this because they like to trip people up in paperwork errors under the Trump administration. Uh, the top, they, you know, the ATF every year they put out enforcement numbers and statistics. The Trump administration Seven of the top 10 ATF enforcement actions almost year in and year out were for Form 4473 violations. Most ATF enforcement actions are for paperwork errors, like you miss filling out part of it. You don't file it properly. You don't do it on time. And I think with these pistol braces that they're doing the same approach. And that goes into effect on June 1st, so just in a few days. And I know there's some lawsuits, and there was a temporary injunction on some people that were just in the lawsuit, but it's still in effect. It shouldn't be. And I think, and I did an episode of my uh, path to liberty podcast on it this week basically uh, if you take the founders approach on this anytime they violate your natural rights whether it's right to thought your free speech or your right of self-defense self-preservation the first or primary law of nature it's ultimately a test of the disposition of the people that's how john dickinson put it the uh, penman of the revolution he basically said as soon as they do something like this if you comply with it in mass numbers they're just going to do more and more and more. So it's a pretty messy scenario, especially when you're talking somewhere 10 to 40 million of these. I think the bump stock affected maybe a half a million or three quarters of a million. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people didn't comply with that. And that there's been some court cases back and forth and it's still in limbo. But we don't want to wait years and years and years for the government to tell us, oh, sorry, we shouldn't have been doing that thing that we've been doing for the last few years. So that's the short version of the pistol so, brace. So <clears throat> I didn't know what a pistol brace was. Mm. So I, this is what a pistol brace is here, yep, it looks like? That's a, that's that a looks very like good it's, example. It's attached to already a, a, a rifle of some kind. It, yeah. Well, so... So uh, they are act technically stabilizing. They're called them so, stabilizing <laughs> braces. All right. And so the ATF is wanting to block these and forgive me because I haven't read into this. I think mm -hmm. I saw a headline, but I had I didn't I didn't read about it. So they are they're wanting to ban these. They well, they are very clear in saying they're not banning the braces themselves. But soon as you affix it to someone, and no one buys a brace to just hold on to it, have it on their desk as a paperweight. Everyone's attaching it to something Duh, for some yeah, reason, right? Of course, yeah. So they're saying it's not banned on its own. But as soon as you attach something, now you have to go through this worksheet. And it's a very confusing. You answer a series of questions. And if you score a certain level, then it's no longer a pistol with a brace on it. It is now a... Uh, it's now a short barrel rifle and you have to pay an additional tax, a huge fee. Maybe you have to destroy it. So, wow. It's just who, who is uh, required to fill this out? Everyone. Oh, it's like the, the honor system. Well, isn't it all?
<laughs> just don't understand. It's like, okay, so you've got a pistol, which I guess without the 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 brace, mm-hmm. it would be this this particular gun, even though it's a really kind of a cool looking, uh, you know, Terminator gun. Uh, it, it would be a pistol. Not so, that particular gun, but let's say yes. Right. Let's say you have a, right. a, a pistol. Sure. On its own, it's a pistol. When you attach so, it, so in other words, if you use the pistol brace, what it does is it allows you to maybe um, shoot better with yes. the pistol because it's oh, stabilized. Actually, yeah, stabilized. Uh, can you find a picture of an actual pistol with the? You brace? know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I tried. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking. I mean, that's that's the brace right there. Yep. Steve McCaffrey uh, makes a good point over on Facebook. He said the pistol yeah. brace just looks like a strip of Velcro. It's just it's, something to kind of so you could you could control your firearm one handed. And here's a, here's the thing: when I'm looking for just like some ordinary old pistol, it's like it seems like nobody wants to use these for regular pistols. They use them for these other really like these these uh, these crazy guns, which look really cool. Hmm. But that's what they're being. They're all all the pictures are of. People using them on these things for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, but you can use these like on just a regular old pistol. Yeah, I don't know how you'd fit them on certain pistols. I guess. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, I've never used one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. a pretty. I'm a pretty terrible shot, so I probably should use one. <laughs> all of these are all attached to these 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 uh, really these these other guns well i think what you're getting if you're doing a search in google news for example you're getting this is pistol braces that's it i'm just searching pistol brace i know on on google images right and where's that image is that coming from a a mainstream media news report it's a mix here i mean that's from Uh, this i would think almost every news report where you find an image yeah no these aren't news reports yeah these aren't news reports i I see what you're saying i agree with you they're gonna they're gonna be reporting it as some like oh look they're trying to blow away a bunch of kids or something yeah but it's like all of these are like i don't know yeah (laughs) i haven't seen just a regular old pistol yet well and i asked about who has to do this and you say everybody and then we go into the nuances of words and definitions and go they usually describe us as persons or U.S. citizen, you know, any number of ways. Again, these are words of art that kind of c- capture you into a jurisdiction that you may not be uh, actually in until you volunteer into it. You know, these are these are the, the, the deceptive ways which they make these things apply to you when they don't. Because fundamentally, as you know, constitutionally, none of these things that violate the, the you know, the actual written word as, as the Second Amendment is written is like you, you, you there's no limitation there. There's no authority no, that you were. No, but banned. as long as people let it happen and right. we have to take the position on that, mm-hmm. that the people allowed the National Firearms Act of 1934 to exist. Yeah, because that's how what that's what these executive orders, both from Trump, the gun grabber and Biden, the gun grabber. They both use used executive orders to reclassify something in wide circulation as something under a previous law that now makes it banned. And that is I mean, some people will say, oh, that's ex post facto, uh, you know, that that can exist and it shouldn't. But it does and it will continue. So if you look at 500,000 under the Trump administration, maybe let's say a million to 10 million under the Biden administration. What's the next one going to be? What other device are they going to say, oh, well, this is no longer this. This is something else. And it now qualifies under a different federal law that's been on the books for 100 years. They're just going to keep ramping this up because each step leads to another, another, and another. Yeah. 
<sighs> Man, well, thanks for updating us on that. Uh, we, yeah, because we hadn't covered it yet. Um, this is, uh, and that's June 1st, June 1st, kicking into gear. And to your point, you comply, you know, it just becomes a de facto, if you will, regulation that is not opposed. And even though we would say, yeah, I support these challenges within the court system question is why would they even think that they would get away with, you know, an executive order that implements something that should only be done through Congress. And of course, even then, if it's violating these fundamental tenets within the constitution they would have to amend the constitution to allow for these things yeah and and i, I come back to jonathan e more than the senate i would just i'm excited to see him and what he can do how he can engage his or his oratorical skills and as well as his knowledge and you know his conviction with what he says he believes when talk about an oath we were talking about that earlier mm-hmm. an oath means something and it means something to jonathan emord you know oh, you that. can tell you could tell that just from his interview yesterday when he was talking about one of his competitors yeah for those of you guys who have not listened to it yet that was a really cool section he's like oh, i'm listening to this guy talk and i'm thinking did he say anything and then someone else came up to me and challenged me are you gonna actually say something and i think that's what we get a lot of time is we get a lot of platitudes uh, we know Trump called himself the Second Amendment president, but anybody who implements implements new gun control by executive order by default cannot be a Second Amendment president. Obviously, Biden isn't, and he's he's openly against it. But again, as long as people keep allowing this kind of crap to happen, we shouldn't be surprised when it continues to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I said there are exciting things occurring in the midst of a lot of disasters simultaneous. I think that's life. You have to look for silver linings, otherwise it's overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah, we got to look for the fun. We got to look to reasons to celebrate and see. Again, there are uh, things that happen when we suffer enough that cause us to act finally differently in a way that, you know, we should have been, right? We should have been doing this all the time, but we kind of got lazy. We talk about that. So um, I can come back to my healer perspective and see that people often don't change the things that they kind of know they need to until they suffer enough. Whether it be pain bad or injury, like a right? back injury, for like example. a back injury, which like <laughs> what causes you to finally make the changes that you kind of, well, I probably could have and should have, but I didn't. Oh, yeah. and boom. Now I'm like, Oh, I, I, yeah, I got it's it. One of our many human flaws is to yeah. let things go. Let stuff fester. Mm-hmm. Cause it's too difficult sometimes to do the right thing or the thing that's best for ourselves, for our family, for our entire country, for the world, really, when you get down to it. Yeah. Um, it's so much more difficult to do the right thing. All right. Let's talk about debates. Did you take, were you part of the high school debate team, Michael Bolden? <laughs> no, I no. was a jerk. <laughs> well, I, I did I, run for a class president. Did you really? Yeah. And I won. Wow. Well, by, you sig- got- by significantly more votes than there were students. Didn't you learn that from, ah. we'll learn that from you. I was putting up signs over the urinals in the men's bathroom, the boys' room, that said, Bolden, Bolden, he's so golden. Uh. (laughs) And then I was running against this guy, Eric, who was a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. and I put up signs all over the place that said, Eric Schmidt's mom is voting for Bolden, why don't you? (laughs) That was my, those are my campaign slogans. (laughs) And 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 it worked. Well, I think some people, uh, well, I was kind of uh, not, not one of the good kids in school. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the other people who are also not the good kids were like, one of our own could win. 
<laughs> and so I easily won, but they would not let that stand. Oh, they didn't. Oh, they overturned the election, huh? Oh, yeah. So Biden learned from you. But uh, <laughs> it's fascinating. I said it was an insurrection. Oh, that would that would make sense. I, I think in high school, my senior year, I was vice president of oh, the whatever, nice. or was it student council? I don't know. If that's the same thing, I guess. Uh, but I wasn't interested in being the guy. I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. And that's that's my memory. If it's accurate or not at this point, I don't know. It's a long time ago. Oh, I probably I made up like 85 percent of mine. I mean, yeah. And Super Don clearly was the valedictorian of his class because he was. Wow, like, that was issues. condescending. No, I think about it. I'd have to go. I'd have to go to class to be the valedictorian of the class. (laughs) Knowing what I know about Super D and those, but right as far as talking about debate goes, Mm -hmm. I I really was a big fan of debate. Now we didn't have a debate club, Mm -hmm. but we did have a mock convention, and I got to play the role of uh, the the. Uh, far right uh, Republican. I wish I were Rush Limbaugh. Uh, really? type. Oh man, I was arguing against the abortion, you know, and all this stuff. And, and, and I had a great time with it mm-hmm. because I was also a, a jerk. Uh, and so, you know, I would, I would relish in the idea of destroying somebody <laughs> in, in an argument. Um, we had a mock trial also one time of, I think it was, uh, my job was a prosecutor to uh, convict Harry Truman of war crimes. Oh, you should have won that one for dropping the bomb. Yeah, um, and stuff. So I really, I, I, I dug that sort of thing. That's I was, I cool. was big into that. I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to prove it to you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to cry to your mama <laughs> when I'm done. You know, type of thing. That's cool. I, I just, well, and, and of course, my teasing you about valedictorian i'm not impressed by many valedictorians and no slight because i you know there was one in my daughter's class as well but the whole idea of academic achievement and grade point average it's cool you know ariana i was surprised 3.7 i had no idea because we're we're not i tease her i was like you get a bad grade or you're grounded for life of course yeah. she knew that that's not where we were as parents but she excelled despite everything and 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 was amazing herself her capacity for self-discipline to, to do well uh, and wanting to do well. But at that point of um, what academic achievement is in the so-called real world, how often does it, you know, matter in, in real Because yeah, really when you get down to it, isn't they're just having kids memorize stuff that they mm-hmm. can find on their phone. They're using chat GPT for, for uh, papers and stuff like that. What are they learning that they can like the I think the entire education system is totally broken at this point. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not practical. I don't think it even was when we were kids, but it's so much worse. It now. had its redeeming qualities. Sure. But really, you know, honestly, well, and I suppose I you could so say maybe much more out of maybe if that I maybe if I paid in. attention more, I would have learned more. But but with that point, said, I don't think there's there's a lot that they didn't teach in school that I wish yes, they had. Yes. Because, you know, point, like you people like me. Not, you, I was just going to say about you. I mean, you were highly intelligent, my friend. You know, it, 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 I don't care what you I did. had great ability. Yeah. <laughs> and, and critical, I just didn't want to do it. No, and your critical thinking skills to this day are extraordinary. And to me, that's so much more important. And that's what I wish kids were taught. You know, which is the great part of my practical daughter. life skills would be yes. would be like so I you know yeah gosh how many how many kids you know I knew and I was one of them that just fell flat on my face when I got out of high school because I didn't know how to do anything 
Yeah. Man, I, you know, I, the stuff that they taught you in school, you know, thinking and reasoning and, and a lot of that stuff, it was not practical. You'd never use it in your real life. Right. But I understand the whole, you know, trying to figure things out in formulas and, and stuff, whatever. But, you know, how about like balancing a checkbook? How about not messing up your credit in the moment that you get out there and everybody's like, here, here, have a credit card. Hey, yeah, but then we'd uh, have to rely on government employees in many situations and government employees are not good at balancing checkbooks. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just a, uh, you know, none of that stuff was, was taught in school. And those were the real life things that they might say, oh, well, your parents are supposed to teach you that. Your parents oh. are having both parents are having to work because the Federal Reserve is devalue <laughs> the purchasing power <laughs> of the dollar and you don't have right. a parent at home anymore. So you've taken a society where it was one income could raise a family of five, reduce their purchasing power, required it to be two. And then the parents aren't involved in the upbringing. It's now in the hands of government in most situations. And government never teaches you how to stop government. So you're not going to learn beyond just the practical life things which government is terrible at you're never going to learn how to restrict government from government either no and super d and going back to the checkbook balancing i I think we had a little bit of that in high school when i was in high school but i know but dude that was like the elect you know you had to be you had to be one of those students that you know just aced everything it was doing really good stuff like that and you happened to take that extra class over here that had to do with that but it wasn't a core teaching yeah. It, it was like the the, the classes over here that you know That's all the genius. but but to Michael Bolden's point and what I thought about when you said that is like I wish we had learned about sound money, yes. the history of money, right? Like Richard Mayberry book, books, which we read yes. to the kids. You know, whatever happened to Penny Candy? That's the stuff I wish that I had learned. I had to learn after the fact because I was you know I was in that system, and then I realized, my God, this is an ungodly system if there was one, much less unconstitutional. And it changed the course of my life, which, you know, for many would be too scary to, to, to not only perceive it, but then live according to what you believe. And um, that's not being taught because you, you, to your point about these government indoctrination centers, it's teaching you how to fit in to a society that has moved further and further away from the common law. And, you know, now you're all a bunch of equity people. You're living in equity, equity, equity. And now you you hear all this stuff about fair and equitable, right? All of this stuff that has nothing to do with survivability except in an artificial economy that is, you know, kind of thrown over us and says, you must participate in this. And that's the only real value that you can ever find. While, as Michael says, they diminish your ability to work for something that has the maintain, maintains the value you thought it had. And you have to work harder and harder and harder. Not only that, to pay the cost of government, to manage it all, if you will. So uh, there's a lot that we're that's come home to roost now and, and others have predicted it. It's not like I'm the only one saying it, but good Lord, we're witnessing it big time right now. Maybe even more so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I day so real day. quick, let's, let's get back real quick. At least we can hit the money shot okay. on this article that you were about to talk about as far as debates in high school. Yeah. They banned them, didn't they? Well, they didn't ban the debates, but apparently there's been an evolution at some point. Now that in the, at these national debate tournaments, which I, God, I wish I could have done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judges in the tournaments are are uh, basically they're biased. They're saying that students who argue that capitalism can reduce poverty or Israel has a, a a right to defend itself will lose. No questions asked. You mean it's an automatic loss if you try it's to an argue. automatic? You are done. Yep, you 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 lose. So they basically have said within the debates we've already determined certain things cannot be argued. Correct. Wow. 
So that is no longer a debate. Wow. So they, they've acquiesced to a certain subjective political. There's untouchable, practice. untouchable topics, I guess, or, or, or points of view. Yeah. I personally think we're on the cusp of things. I think the generations to follow us are going to go through a lot of pain. I mean, things are bad. Now we live under the largest government in history. The U S land of the free spends about uh, somewhere between seven and a half to eight and a half times the amount that this so-called communist government in China spends every year. So it's, this is not, that's not anywhere close to freedom. And so what's going to happen when people are indoctrinated from birth cradle to grave and then can't even start like topics like freedom can is better to dealing with poverty i mean benjamin right. franklin talked about this in 1766 he talked about hey uh, if you give people an incentive not to work what do you expect they're going to stay in poverty as long as you keep subsidizing it. and if you have this viewpoint that government programs are bad and you can't discuss that i mean it's going to have to, people will have to learn another way. And the other way is not good. Yeah. Well, we, do we all become here? As Steve says, uh, uh, comedians like JP Sears arguing from the absurdity, uh, you know, taking a, a, a humorous tact to address these things and claiming that you're for the thing that you're like, this is obviously stupid. Yeah, We can all do that. But what about yeah. the kids in these debates uh, in yeah. the schools? Mm hmm. And maybe this is an isolated thing, but I can see this trend in this direction. I see this mm -hmm. with family members and relatives who have kids that are anywhere from, you know, 10 through early 20s. The, the stuff that I learned, I thought wasn't even close enough. And they're getting far, far less. Hammered on it, yeah. Oh, just amazing. So what's your next uh, path to liberty? What did you do earlier today? Oh, my, it was awesome. I what tell everybody because in case they missed it, they'll want to see it too. The Second Amendment is not your gun permit. <laughs> you are. Ah, I love that. It's awesome because yesterday in that convo with Emord, you had talked about briefly talking about natural rights. And I was actually working on some of my notes at the time for this morning's show. Mm -hmm. And in essence, it was just a real short version of my my Friday shows are short. This is like a 10 minute episode. Basically, kind of something that really makes my skin crawl is when people say my Second Amendment rights or the Second Amendment is my gun permit because the idea and you can apply this to the First Amendment, any amendment rights. Yeah, yeah. When you say that your rights are the foundation of your rights are an amendment, it's as if they didn't exist before them. And I've read through all the debates over the Constitution, well, as many as I can, the ratification debates, and no one ever thought that they didn't have the right to keep and bear arms and they needed a second amendment in order to have them. They viewed this as a natural right, part of the primary law of nature of self-preservation. So I just did a short take on that, highlighting a lot of uh, quotes from people like Samuel Adams and stuff. Love it. I love it. So when we're together, no, Labor Day weekend in LA. We're together every moment Okay. in the heart. Yes, well, that's true. Uh, but I just like physically wanna, in the physical plane. I want to plan every moment where we're going to go, what we're going to do, <laughs> what we're going to eat. So be thinking ahead on that. I already know we're going to eat. Yes, we are. Very we'll, well eat more. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed. We'll put that four pounds back on you, my friend. May, no, I might actually lose another four. I've been trying. I keep like ramping up my eating. Okay. I'm just not snacking as much because 
I'm spending more time laying down. I'm going walking more. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Very, very good. Uh, yeah, now I'm hungry. I want to cook out again. And apple cider. Have you ever heard this before? But I've what? noticed as I do a daily apple cider vinegar, like I do two tablespoons. I don't mix it. I just do it straight, mm -hmm. which maybe isn't great for my teeth. Yeah. Um, do you hear of that reducing sugar cravings? Yes. Yes. We got to take a break. Super Don says. Ready for a bonus round? We can come. We can, yeah, we can come back uh, after after a bonus. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Michael Bolden. You gonna hang out a few more minutes? You yeah, I got till about ten after. Okay, good. Let's let's have some more fun. Disconnect, reconnect, Michael, so we get the clipping away again while we do this break. And we'll be back with more powerful healing because the power to heal is yours. The power to heal is yours. <laughs> All right, bonus round commences. You have fun in studio, Mom? Yes. All right. As you see, she's been lounging down. She, she was napping a bit of the show, Michael. I don't know if you put her to sleep, but the su sweet sounds of Michael Bolden, and she was just relaxed as all can be. It's all comforting. Yes. This, it is. Is, like a, this is like a, a <laughs> nice bowl of mac and cheese. <laughs> organic, right? Organic I mean, come on. mac and cheese. Do you forget on. what show you're on? Come on. Well, we Do we even have to say organic? Right. It should be without saying. And Michael Bolden's intestines know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, my gosh. And, and we're Is talking my audio better now? Yes. Yeah, oh, it was doing oh. some crackling before, but it wasn't It wasn't terrible. It was, it was how long months, before like, it started? Because we have about, about half an hour. Yeah. Man. Yeah, weird. No, about, about five minutes. But it, really? it's all good. Yeah, it's, yeah, don't worry about it. It came, it came came, and went. It wasn't consistent. Okay. So day of fasting here again, and now I'm talking barbecue and cookouts again, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm making it tough on myself. Uh, we've broken out the, 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 the coals and, and burned them up a lot now the last week, and that's been a good thing, having some celebrations with people coming over and, um, like I said, enjoying a good time. with. Oh, good great. People. I just took some blood sausage out of the freezer. Did you? Are you going to grill them? Yeah. All right. Blood so, sausage. You never you don't know. I don't never, know. I don't think I've never dipped your toes in blood sausage. What are what may? How do you make blood sausage? I well. What's fire, in it? Blood. Well, uh, okay. Wheat. Just blood. It's just made out of blood. Blood and wheat. Something gelatinous to keep it together. <laughs> a Korean one would have a kind of a, a noodle in it. They call it sundae. Mine is an Italian Argentinian style that I like. Mm. Um, yeah, it's guts. It's that day. Yeah, that's uh, again not appealing. Blood to sausage is a sausage filled with blood that is cooked or dried and mixed with a filler until it's thick enough to solidify when cooled. Most commonly, the blood of pigs, sheep, lamb, cow, chicken, or goose is used. Is it really irony? Yes. Yeah, I would think so. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's an acquired taste. But I. But then again, I'm a durian kind of guy, and that's not anything to do with that. But it's got no. rice in it, so like, I wonder if it's similar to. Uh, there was a stuff that we ate in Louisiana called boudin. Oh, uh, boudin would be a little softer. Softer, then yeah, a little softer. Oh, god, that was I good. I love that. Oh. It's generally made with. <laughs> it's also made with dairy, generally. So I don't get to have the boudin. Uh, uh, an Argentinian blood sausage will be more robust in its texture. Gotcha. My buddy Charlie came over uh, the other day when we had the cookout. Mom, did you like his homemade ice cream based on coconut? It was really Ooh. good, banana, uh, whatever, and it was dairy free. You would have enjoyed that, Ooh. Michael. 
I'm into that. Yeah. And I'm into that. Oh, you know, the last couple of times that uh, we've talked, I keep mentioning looking for Braunschweiger or liverwurst. Mm-hmm. Well, North Star Bison. They specifically have a page on their FAQ page that I was reading yesterday. Okay. It says they chose not to get the uh, uh, USDA organic approval certification for it. because it's so expensive. It's very narrow. And they talk mm-hmm. about how their uh, practices are actually much higher than the organic That's, standard. Yeah. Yes, yes. And just the way it, like, I'm not going to go out and third party verify this, mm-hmm. but they do link to some other stuff. I'm just going to give it a try and see how it goes. But North okay. Star Bison is the one that I settled on. Well, I've acknowledged that what you said, there are providers that are exceeding the USDA organic standards. Yeah. And, you know, why would they, you know, apply and pay all that money and they do even better than it? And, and you know, you can verify that. What are your practices? Get to know them, ask the question. So uh, the term organic, as it's defined by USDA, is not a limiting factor for me because, I, I, you know, as my farm and garden is organic, it's not certified by the federal government, but I know what it is because I know what I'm utilizing in, in producing it. Yeah. Uh, so there's no question, but it's not certified by the government, but it's still organic or exceeds those standards. Uh, so if you found a liverwurst, you said it was North Star or North what? North Northstarbison.com. Okay. So they have all their producers sign an affidavit David, that they raise on a certain protocol. And so they say, no, we're not certified organics, but our products do far exceed organic standards. And so have you ordered some directly? Joe have you ordered? Robertson. Uh, no, but I'm going to put an order in this weekend. Okay. North Star uh, Bison. Well, that's heads up on that. Again, that's a good quality food for those of you who are not vegetarians to get serious minerals back in you. Yeah, I really need to be eating more liver. Mm-hmm. Yuck. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, I, what Sarah says. Sarah says <laughs> I'm going to fast. I'm gonna I know f- a lot of Astis has taken an enzyme with lactase. I cannot do that with my dairy work. allergy. Yeah, no. I've tried it. And sometimes, you know, it's fascinating. Sometimes I can have, like if I have raw dairy, so I'm really, I lean towards that I'm not necessarily allergic to the dairy itself. I'm allergic to not having whatever enzymes are in there that's being killed in the pasteurization process. Right. Because I can go out and I can have a raw milk kefir four Mm -hmm. or five days in a row and I have almost no problem. I just start getting a light amount of bloating by the fifth day. I mm-hmm. can do the same raw sheep's milk cheese. No problem. I can have that anytime. Yeah. But if it's your standard dairy somewhere, there's probably just some chemical or some garbage in it, or they're killing off something that my body needs. And that's why, you know, and I've had people recommend try taking these enzymes in advance. And I've tried that, but it just mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. And I end up getting pretty sick most of the time. Well, there is a distinction. I just go with raw. I just got to go with raw. Yeah. When you heat treat it, you alter the integrity of the proteins. You destroy some Mm. of the enzymes that make it viable as a food for many people. Some are not as sensitive as Michael Bolden. But uh, the fact that you can go on dairy that's clean and raw tells you a lot about the processing of these dairy products. Yeah, and I had that recommended to me. I was working a part-time job, a place called cooking.com some years ago. And uh, this coworker, she was like, dude, 
it's just pasteurization. And I'm like, this lady's crazy. Mm-hmm. Right? She's like, it's just pasteurization. You should try raw. I'm like, raw milk. That sounds disgusting. And of course, eventually I did. And I learned the easy way. Yeah. I wonder if it's part of the reason why I'm so sensitive is because my body was literally filled from toe to skull almost every day with highly processed dairy products my entire childhood. It could be. For all I know, because I've had it out of my system so long, mm-hmm. I might be able to tolerate some. But I don't. I mean, I'm better off with the raw anyways. Yeah. Well, good good food discussion. I think I'll break the fast later. You will go to. Uh, sorry. Yeah. That's uh-huh. Uh, I think we'll Let's wrong. take some calls. What is your favorite food? 866-939-2355. All I can think about is sausage. Lately, yeah. so I just want, I've been craving meat. I have not been having uh, enough. Where, where's Sarah enough. today? Is she out and about or is she hanging out in the oh, other Oh, she's room? been doing some air. I don't know where she is now, but she's oh. off of work for four days, which is pretty oh. cool. Yeah. Uh, she went to the grocery store. She made me lunch, which was so sweet. Oh, that's, that's so nice. I'm just happy to see her have some time off, which is cool. Yeah. DJ Katie just uh, po- posted that uh, there's grasslandbeef.com is another source. She gets her lamb kidneys there as well. Oh, cool. And then another one, uswellness.com. And also talk about, yeah, th- that, you know, many of these providers you'll find that will exceed meet or exceed the organic standards and it won't have the certification label. So be open to the possibility that you'll find food that is as clean or cleaner um, because they have integrity and, you know, you can validate that and find out for sure what their practices are. Uh, But I I don't want people to think that, you know, suddenly we're only approving that, which the federal government says, uh, you know, yeah, here's how they put it. Our focus has always been what is best for land, animals, and people, which is a more holistic values-focused concept with complete transparency as our verification or certification mechanism. Organic certification is expensive and, from our perspective, adds no real value to our products. They use a regenerative raising. They said honorable and respectful harvest, obsessive control over cleaning agents, processing facilities. Just the the they're very emphatic about this question. So I'm like, all right, they're worth a try. Mm-hmm. Give it a go. Let me know what you find. We'll uh, come back and talk about that. And maybe by the next time we're doing this, I'll be eating a liverwurst sandwich on the show. Very nice. Why would you eat something that has the word worst in it? <laughs> I, I don't understand. How- Dude, everything had worst in it in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Call it liver gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you- yummy. Mom likes liverwurst. Oh, yeah. man. I yeah. love it. For sure. So, uh, so this weekend is, a, you know, technically, I guess, a holiday weekend. A lot of people take a three-day or a four-day, as you mentioned, Sarah. Um, do you have any special plans? Are you going to do anything, or, or is it more rest and recovery time for you? Well, it's going to have to be rest and recovery because we have a very special nail day tomorrow. Tomorrow's nail day. Nail day? Nail day? Yeah, our parents have to get their nails trimmed every two months or so the little birdies yeah so we put them in backpacks it's about an hour drive to Mm -hmm. our very special avian vet it's right on the ocean if you ever see me every now and then posting pictures where i'm over a cliff over the ocean it's usually a bird event we're going to the vet we drop them off we go for a walk and come back i am a little nervous about how my back is going to do sitting in a car an hour each way 
but can, can I, you recline enough the, the chair so it takes the pressure off of it or the hard part is finding a, what is called a neutral position where mm. where i have the proper uh, uh curvature in my lower spine yeah. where it's yeah. not causing stress and i do have a bunch of supports and things like that but i just str i just struggle in the car that's like mm -hmm. the hardest place for me uh, probably an airplane would be pretty tough too. So yeah, no, it's limiting uh, the, what you're going through. So I'm just going to be out. I'm going to be out walking multiple times. I've already gone on one walk this morning. I've got two more today. So just trying to be outside as much as possible. My brother's going to come mm -hmm. visit tomorrow night and we'll just eat and laugh probably. Even if I have to be laying down on my back, he doesn't care. <laughs> so, and then Sarah's off on Monday. So I'm sure we'll just be outside a lot because it's so beautiful right now. Okay. So it looks like we're going to have a, a Monday and encore. Uh, so we take the day. You're even going to take off. Okay. Yeah. I was debating whether or not I was going to do a show on Monday. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe. But then I'm not totally taking off because we, you know, I was invited to be on with the advanced medicine crew, you know, for their. That's different though. But hey, I mean, you don't do a lot of prep for your show. Do you? Super Don does. Who? <laughs> you <laughs> who, who are we talking to here? <laughs> oh my <laughs> yeah. Not the universal you, but the yeah. royal we. You work. <laughs> I, did, I did my prep thirty years ago. Uh -huh. Yeah, and it's ongoing. You know, it never stops. Uh, but yeah, Super D really preps and, and and sets the stage or paves the road, whatever it is, and I just get to walk on it or run occasionally. Uh, Dude, Monday is going to be great weather here. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad we're we're actually Let's taking that day off. I might work out. Might work in the. The garden. The garden. Okay. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the beds prepped hopefully tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then maybe go over to the nursery Sunday. We're, we are growing. Nancy harvested a bunch of things this morning already, you know, things that have been growing early on. Um, we had our a lot of our lettuce self-propagated from last year because we went some to seed and it would just kind of drift and it just came up this spring. We didn't even have to plant it. It was nice. A few things like that. Some of the onions, of course. And uh, so we're already, you know, harvesting and our um, raspberry that we had uh, planted from one, replanted from one part of the uh, property to the other. Last year, it started giving us halfway through the summer, a lot of raspberries. This year, it's already flowering early. So have I'm trying to growing um, dandelion yet. Oh my gosh, we got dandelion. And you're growing it. You're not we, just like weed dandelion. Well, there's plenty of that, but we also have some that's grown purposefully. And we have a lot of dandelion. Uh, How weed. difficult or easy is it? Oh, it's easy. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been eating a lot of dandelion lately just because mm. our birds, it, like birds, small it. birds are prone to liver disease. Yeah. And so a, a, a good avian vet will tell you, get them the darkest, most bitter uh, leafy green that they'll even touch yeah. to help them live longer. So uh, we give them, they have some of their dried food is made with dandelion powder, mm. but we also feed them fresh dandelion. They That's primarily great. like the stalk part of it, but then, so then I put the leaves on everything. They love it. I, like next door, our neighbor has chickens. We don't have that yet, but I'll, you know, have a, you know, there'll be some dandelions growing right up. I'll grab a handful of them and put them in the chickens go bonkers for dandelion. They love it. They're oh, like, cool. yeah. So I'm helping them. Hopefully when, when their son graduates and, and moves on, on out, uh, we'll get some eggs. Cause I think their son eats them all. But, uh, <laughs> I was talking to the neighbor today on those things. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the dandelion's great, everybody. And we talked about it in terms of some of the counteracting of the things, the serious things that we've discussed with Brian Artis as well. Mm -hmm. 
about our toxicological burdens, poisons as well. And relating to Dr. Batar and others, uh, there are some strategies and down the line is inclusive of those strategies. Nice. Yeah. Steve had a comment about what? leukomia that I'm going to have to look. I do actually have to run, but I definitely, I wanted to acknowledge him talking about, he said. Uh, from the rubber tree. From the rubber tree, an herb for uh maybe back flexibility. I'm going to have to mm. look into it. Take a look. And by the way, G. Edward Griffin scheduled for our Sunday conversations cool. and, and Bob Riorin, another physician doctor, will will be talking about how he's been helped as well by the Folium products, foliumpx.com. Y'all check it out. RSB 10 discount. And maybe Michael Bolden needs that one day too. We'll see how he goes, but uh, it's really good stuff. So Michael, thanks for being here for, in our, I can't remember. Did we say bi-weekly was the description? Every other week is bi-weekly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Semi. Yeah. Semi bi-weekly. Is it bi-weekly? You guys familiar with the uh, 1950s movie and play Brigitte? Brigitte. Brigitte yeah. Uh, you know the the town wakes up once every however yeah, many yeah. years. That's my mm. life. So every other week, I guess yeah. I'm around. Wake up and join us. for an hour on the Robert Scott Bell show, and I know nothing that happens in. Oh between. my gosh, that's amazing. I, it's not bi-weekly. It's literally just by the by, by the day, by the day, <laughs> by the bottle, by the glass. All right, Michael Holden. Thanks, right. my brother. Thank you, guys. This was I really loved, loved it. To Sarah. Great seeing you, Mickey Bell. That was pretty cool. She loves you too. And I hope you guys have a great. All right, day. you do the same. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate you. All right, guys and gals, thanks for being here. Another uh, great week of broadcasting, despite the intense emotionality of what's been going on, maybe because of it. But um, Super D, thanks for all you do. And yep. we'll figure out an encore for Memorial Day. And we'll be back live Tuesday, although I'll be on that clubhouse thing for Dr. Batar's group uh, Monday evening. That's the plan. And Sunday, again, don't miss Sunday conversations with G. Edward Griffin. Yes. And uh, that'll be up. And, and a lot of the... Um, Advanced Medicine Mondays with Dr. Batar are slowly are making their way back up and trying to get at least one, if not two a day. Yeah. So become a patron supporter of the Robert Cabell Show and access that and a whole lot more. So thanks, mom, for being here. So glad that you could come for Ari's graduation. Yay. All right. All right, Super D. So we're out of here. Here's some Mickey friendly music for her to dance to as we go out here. All right. 